Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 299. I am Peter. Uh, joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? Connor is not here this week. He'll be back for the 300 Super Spectacular uh, next Maybe. week. <laughs> he claims to be. He claims that he'll be back. But uh, as a DC Comics podcast, we get together, we talk about DC books we read this week coming up on this week's show and it is a week five technically actually this week uh but we have shadow war alpha issue one which is the start of the the batman destro kink robin crossover by joshua williamson we have the swamp thing issue 11 that's back so should be interesting we got dc versus vampires issue six and batman one dark knight issue two the big uh black label jock series uh finally with the second issue so uh, those are the books we'll be talking about, but there is some news as well, uh, which uh, will take up a bit of time. And um, on the subject of, of taking up a bit of time, next couple of weeks uh, are quite late on books, so expect some shenanigans and some other segments in the next couple of weeks, which is especially good for next week, because next week's episode 300, which is why I'm about to tell you all to go and vote, because there is a voting form that I put out. I'll put a link in the description of the episode, but you can find it on the Twitter, at DC Comics Podcast already. Uh, basically, we're getting you to vote on your best series, writers and artists from the start of the show, which is the start of Rebirth, so from end of May 2016 till now. And so I'll, I'll elaborate on it a little bit here, just, you know, because it's easier to just tell you kind of the thinking rather than uh, writing it all down. Um, So the main thing you're doing is the top 10 books of the last, you know, six years. But uh, you don't necessarily have to only put one. Well, that's a weird way of phrasing this. You yeah. can put the same book multiple times as different runs. So you could put Batman by King as one of your entries, and then Batman by Tynan as one of your entries as well. So you can you you can split it up into runs uh, where applicable. If you happen to like both runs, or you specifically only want to give the point to to a, mm-hmm. a run, you know you, you might want to give some love and we're and we're going full run we're not we're not going piecemeal just this story no right? no 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 it's full run so if you're if you're yep. saying king's batman you're saying all of king's right well, you're the, saying the main bat book at least it it's zero to a hundred yeah but when i say yeah. king's batman we're not including like batman and catwoman which is a separate series we're just talking right. has run on is the main book the title of batman yeah. Which obviously you can also vote for Batman Catwoman mm-hmm. as a separate right. entry, but so uh, so you do the top ten. Uh, obviously, the higher you place things, the more points it will get. So there, you rank them in order, starting at number one. Number one's obviously the highest, and uh, you're doing top five artists and writers. Same idea. Uh, of he course. is back in his. He's like a pig in mud. <laughs> he loves rankings. He loves lists. Well, I mean, it's a good it's a good time to do it. So it's a good time to be reflective. You know, it's been six years. There's enough now of material over those six years to really okay. analyze. Obviously, we do our end of year awards every year, so we've done that five times. Mm-hmm. But this is a, a chance to compare all of the material up until now, and it's also a week with almost no books. So <laughs> it's a perfect time to uh, be a little reflective yeah. and look at the the time of the last six years. So. That's a plan. So yes, uh, go go find the link to vote. Um, there's also a section at the bottom of the form after those three main parts uh, where you can put in memorable moments of the show or if you want to just write in a message for episode 300, uh, 
by you can it's optional that part but you can use that if you want um and if there's some interesting stuff in there uh, i'll uh read those out next week too so go and have at it folks yeah. uh so yeah episode 300 next week big 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 occasion uh unfortunately carl will be back for it but uh we'll, <laughs> do, we'll do our best uh so <laughs> there's always time for a top 10 <laughs> so we start the show matt oh yes i know how we start uh so we're looking at leah comic geeks uh so just the number of pulls that the series have looking at this week's books and uh, obviously we're mixing in all the publishers to see how dc fares against the others and it has to be said dc not looking too hot for my glance <laughs> and i'm looking at the page yeah i mean well considering we're only covering four books <laughs> yeah. uh you know yeah, that's it's only four books. One yeah. is Swamp Thing, which is a bit more niche. Uh, one's a black label book, and one's uh, Elseworld about vampires. So, I, yep. yeah. Point being, there's no main Batman, Superman, Justice yeah, League stuff. Yeah, it, it's not a, you know, it's not an indicator of anything else. <clears throat> so, yes. Uh, number one this week. Because uh, this, yeah, this is the thing. Marvel don't really have the... I mean, DC have loosened up over the years, I think, but Marvel definitely don't have, like, a structure to their month where this is week one, this is week two. So when they get to a fifth week, it feels weird and, like, just a bunch of annuals or whatever. They tend to just schedule each month on their own. So their week fives don't actually feel that different. They just feel like a random batch of books, like every week does. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so number one is Amazing Spider-Man issue 93. So... Uh, I, I know it's basically, it's basically a weekly right now, but it is interesting that yet another Spider- Amazing Spider-Man renumbering has is going to hit 100. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe they'll renumber at 99 just to, just to be dicks. No yeah. triple digits for you. Um, are they still putting the legacy numbering on the covers? I have no idea. I'm, I Well, let's say I haven't bought a, a, uh, a book from Marvel in a while, but I did pick up oh. Captain Carter. They are. The uh, so that's uh, <clears throat> issue 93 is legacy number, I think that's 894, so they're almost at issue well, 900. It'll shift back. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Uh, yeah, so that's 7,415 pulls on League of Comic Geeks uh, for that number one. Uh-huh. Yeah, I remember to tell you this week. Uh, number two is Hulk issue five. Uh, that's coming in with... 3,699. That's notable in how much of a drop that is to number two. Usually number two and three are still around the 7,000 mark. So, clearly this is a bit of a weird week. Well, that's oh, a shoot. Stony uh, Kate's uh, Hulk series. Yeah, I did not realize. This is how out I am. I need to finish um, the Immortal Hulk still. Uh, didn't even realize it was a new writer. I thought it was just another one of the Marvel relaunch number deals. Sure, yeah, I've, I've not touched the Marvel book in a while. I'll get in the mood at some point and do it, but uh, yeah. it's, it's not been well, a... I've been catching up on ZRC's Daredevil. Um, I'm still halfway through the second trade. Um, but yeah, so it's not, nothing recent. Yeah, uh, number three is Dark Ages issue six, which is the Tom Taylor Marvel book. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't call it an Elseworld, but that's effectively what it is. Yeah. Uh, 3,524 pulls on that one, so not a big difference from the last book. Number four, we're sticking with Marvel here. Miles Morales, Spider-Man issue 36. Uh, do you know what? I'm impressed that Saladin Ahmed is still rating this book. That, that's a 36-issue run now and mm-hmm. counting, uh, which I think is notable for Marvel. They don't tend to have as many yeah. of those bigger... Especially, well, on, especially on characters that aren't the big couple, you know? Yeah. 
Um, unless you're Ben Percy and Wolverine, you don't get that many issues. Yeah, so 3,075 pulls on that. Uh, was that number four? Number five is Something is Killing the Children, issue 21. So obviously favorite of the show, Tynan, doing well mm-hmm. there. 2,976 pulls on that bad boy. That's cool. Number six is Immortal X-Men issue one. Okay, I'm curious. There's a new X-Men book. What is it? That's a Kieran Gillen book. Oh, no. It's yeah. Connor's uh, I do, mistress. I do like to think that this this cover makes up a Last Supper homage. I have to assume it's a wraparound. One. Yeah. So I clicked on it to see. I didn't see it. Um, Like uh, the full cover. So it has to be me, a connected cover. It has yeah. to. If if that's not a connected cover where it makes an image with two other covers or a wraparound cover, then it's just a terrible cover. <laughs> yeah, I think it does, but uh, I'm looking for the wraparound. I don't see wraparound stuff, but yeah. uh, so that's got two thousand six hundred and eighty-four. As we always say, though, uh, issue ones on here tend to do less than they should because people haven't clicked the the ad series button yeah. yet. Uh, so that's number six. Number seven is Spawn three two eight. Spawn still has its audience doing well. Yeah. Two thousand five hundred seventy six. Uh, hey, Danhausen did a Spawn cover. Did you just say Danhausen? <laughs> yeah, Danhausen. <laughs> very good. Yeah. Very evil. Yeah. Very good. Very evil. Did a did a cover for Spawn. They reached out to him. Um, I don't know when. I just there's a fact I know about him. Bit of an artist. Fascinating. Yeah. Uh, number eight is DC versus Vampire. So we feel like a DC book here uh, with yep. 2,501 pulls. Uh, and then some more DC. Batman worked at One Dark Knight is at number nine uh, with 2,265 pulls. And then we'll look at that. Get a hat trick at the bottom for DC. Yep. Batman Beyond the White Knight issue one, 2,250 pulls at number 10. So some DC the top 10 at least, uh, but yeah. definitely a weird week for sure. For sure. Yeah, Swamp Things in the Low Teens, and then Shadow War Alpha. It's in the 12th. Yeah. Yeah. Shadow War Alpha is about the 20 ish area. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a weird week. So week five. I suspect Shadow War's probably done better as well just because it's a one shot and people haven't clicked on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where where it's at. And then it's about 18. Yeah, Matt's counting. I can see the gears turning in his head. Yep, yep. (laughs) <laughs> what is this Jim Grand Design Monster? Another Hulk book. A Hulk book? Yeah. By Jim Rugg. It's a number one. I don't know if it's a, like a one shot or a like a mini. Uh, did you say Grand Designs? Isn't that... Because I remember X-Men had like Grand Design books and it was kind of like it was recapping like periods of X-Men continuity and like a series of big oversized books. That might be what it is. Yeah, biggest moments in the Hulk's history through the yeah. eyes of a single... Yeah. So... Yeah. It's well, basically... shoot, had I known about that, I might have picked that up. Yeah, it's, it's basically like... I mean, I don't know how much it's covering one issue, but, like, the, the X-Men one, that was, like, a two-parter, so you got, like, maybe the first 20 years of X-Men history and the first one, it was about 50 pages. And then... That's pretty cool. And then the second one, so... Uh, not necessarily essential reading if you've actually read all of X-Men, but if you have read some of X-Men or no X-Men and you want to... Yeah, I feel for just the, the the grand scope of the continuity. It's like a it's a recap page, but drawn out into a yeah, know. kinda. Yeah, that's pretty which, cool though. Which I think is fine as long as you know that's what mm-hmm. it is before you buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. There you go. 
uh, as a top 10. Now, we do have some news. Um, I'll start off with a quick thing before I get to the, the thing that's going to take a bit of time to go through. Uh, the quick thing is good news for a handful of countries is the DCU Universe Infinite is finally launching in some places that aren't in the US. So mm. rejoice, Canada, UK, Australia, Brazil, Mexico, more to follow, but those are the ones that are getting this soon. So, mm. yeah, look forward. Uh, April 22nd, I believe, is the, the date, at least for the UK. I, I don't know if uh, it was varied for the other places. Um... Oh, April, sorry, April 28th for the UK. I apologise. New Zealand and Australia are March 29th, so they actually will already have it at the time of recording this, which is nice. Uh, so yeah. So it's over the, over the, basically the month of April, these locations are getting DC Universe Infinite, which you could get it before if you knew how to work around with a VPN, but this definitely makes it much easier, more convenient. So, I thought that if you subscribed back when DC had the DC Universe, you got something similar. Cause I, I remember Connor talking about it, but I don't remember the particulars. Um, but yeah, got something similar or what? What are you talking about? So, so there it wasn't quite known as infinite, but you would have access to certain runs through the app. Like, so it was meant for the streaming before they folded into. Oh sure, yeah. I mean that HBO was always. Basically, DC Universe Infinite is basically just what DC Universe was with all right. the shows stripped out because they're all on HBO Max now. Right, and but then they added a bunch more books. They, they added more books, but I mean, yeah. it was always a lot of books. It was never oh, okay. just like a handful, I don't think. Gotcha. Uh, well, I remember Connor talking about it, and I don't think he had to do the VPN thing. Because he, no, he, he openly... Oh. Well, I'll just put him on blast. I was trying to pr- protect that. I didn't realize uh, if that's what he was doing or not. Um, I mean, you say that as if he had to hide it. I mean, it's a VPN. It's not... Yeah, yeah I know. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Catwoman here. He's not breaking into the <laughs> the Great Natural uh, History Museum and <laughs> taking out. That is a visual I did not need now. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I've dabbled with DC Universe Infinite with the VPN before, and it's just, it's kind of a pain uh, sort of working yeah. around and having the VPN in your tablet or wherever you're, whatever, you know. Uh, so this is just nice and convenient. It'll make it easier for more people to keep up with uh, or just dive into old comics or stay six months behind current and you know and by all means i do you know what i should probably do i should probably like retweet like our episode from six months ago and say hey if you're reading comics on dc infinite yeah. <laughs> this is the episode that you're in sync with yeah enjoy this episode <laughs> <laughs> why funny. not um so hey i mean it's a, it's a fun idea it's a convenient service um you know, if, if previously in the multiverse ever gets back off the ground when Connor has more time, then yeah. this will be a very useful tool uh, to go back to. So, mm-hmm. uh, by all means, uh, good news all around, at least for Canada, UK, Australia, Brazil, and Mexico. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, they promised that it would be going international in the summer of 2020. So it's taken them well, two years. Understandable with certain things that have happened. I don't know. Does that affect this though? You well, you would assume it would affect the workforce, right? The people that would have to put together the infrastructure and whatnot. Um, so especially summer twenty twenty, right? I I I, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that gets them two years to just launch one one outside U.S. location. But okay, yeah, 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 yeah. maybe not the full, but definitely I would say part of it. I mean, 
maybe we could have had it by summer of last year. Like the fact that Canada know? didn't have it is is yeah, mind blowing to me. Yeah, so if you're in Toronto, the people across the river there <laughs> uh, get it, but you don't. That that's insane to me. Yeah. So, so even Canada had to wait. But hey, there you go. Uh, that's that. The other bit of news this week, though, and it is a juicy bit of news, is DC are once again doing a tournament of potential books, mm-hmm. which fans can vote on, and the winner will become uh, a book. It'll be it'll, it'll be done. Um, mm-hmm. It'll still be digital first in October, and then come out in in stores and comicsology. Uh, obviously, comicsology is still digital, but I mean it's a it's, it's a DC Infinite original mm-hmm. first. Uh, but that means we have 16 titles here with 16 synopsis, which we are now going to go through <laughs> and give opinions on. It's like a mini solicits, Matt, so... Yeah, but luckily for you, I already uh, read these in bed the other night, so to see which ones... Well, I, I did not, like. so I'm, I'm yes. reading them all, and uh, not just for me, though, for the audience, too. But right. I am... Um, well, I, I do want to complain before I start this, though, that they're calling it a round robin again, when it is definitely not a round robin. That's, yeah. It's not how a round robin works. So. This is a single elimination mm-hmm. tournament. Yes, yes. Uh, they, they, I mean, I get why they call it a round robin. Um, maybe you don't want to call it a, a playoff. This is definitely a playoff. Hmm. So. So, yeah. This is, um... I also wish that they gave us the creative teams. Yeah, they, uh, which I think they did the first time, did they not? I, yeah, I believe they did. Yeah. Um, this time it's just yeah. the the titles and the descriptions. But at least it, yes. if it was just the titles, it'd be a nightmare talking about them. At least there's something to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Discuss, but yeah, so they'll get a six issue series, uh, the winner. Uh, but here we will watch through them. So here we go. So the first match, the first round matchup, because they're they're sort of presented in these images, but like it's like mm-hmm. the. the the two that are fighting. Uh, what's interesting, this article that I'm looking at actually has, at the time they posted this, which I think was Thursday. March 31st. Yeah, they they, they have like the current like percentages of who's winning. So I can tell, it's a couple of days out of date now, but I can tell you who was winning at the time of this, yeah. this post. So first up, we have Hawkman and Hawkwoman, the changeling. The description reads as follows. Hawkman and Hawkwoman have never had children together. But they have with other people. <laughs> yes, uh, not with each other. <laughs> uh, they know that for a fact. Then who is Hector Hall, the hot-headed, razor-winged teen who claims to be their son? Can they trust their own memories or each other? So that's Hawkman and Hawkwoman, the changeling. Yeah, I, I do like how it is, you know, it looks like Hector Hall, which is, uh, you know, if you know your, your hawk lore. But it's spelled, like, from Thanagar. Mm-hmm. too so it's playing with both i do like that and the concept of a change because <laughs> it's mythology. what it's what hawkman the hawkman needs is more convoluted like like variations but, of everything that's what i that's why i kind of like it because it's, it's very much <laughs> in brand with uh with it but also the concept of a changeling in mythology is you know uh, fairies would steal a baby and swap it out with you know a goblin maybe not a goblin but another type of creature um there was a, a real fun movie. Oh, what was it called? Uh, Tim had me watch it, but uh, it was actually pretty good. The Changeling? Um, and it wasn't The Changeling, but it was about a changeling. I wish I could remember it. It was like The Clearing or something like that. Um, guy lives at the edge of the woods. His baby starts acting weird. 
and it ends up being a, a story of a changeling. Um, but yeah, this this seems pretty cool. I mean, it's playing with the mythology and the hawk, you know, wonkiness. So that's a good word for it, wonkiness. Yeah. Uh, that's going up against Wildcat Nine Lives. Wildcat spent eight years, eight of his nine lives, sorry, showing the ropes to some of DC Universe's heaviest hitters, and he's got the scarred knuckles and reset bones to prove it. But now he's only got one more life to go. How fearless would you be if you knew it was your last round in the ring? Matt wants this one as well. I want this one. 100%. At the time that they posted this, this was down by, you know, 1%. It's very narrow. It's 51 to 49% on this. Please, people, if if you care about me, go go vote for Wildcat (laughs) and Lives, please. Uh, As much as I love Hawkman, I, I, I like Ted Grant that much more. This one, too, like, fighter at the end. He's got one life left to go, one more round. Like... This speaks to me. This is just funny to me how uh, conflicted you are. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we have the questions grand solution. Notably, that's plural there, the questions. Yes. What happens when people from all walks of life are activated as faceless vigilantes, each forced to solve an alternate reality game where the stakes are life and death? That's the question. But does Rene Montoya have the solution? A little bit cheesy. With that, with that write-up. Uh, it's a bit, yeah. che- uh, it's a bit yeah. cheesy. Uh, I'm all for more Rene Montoya question stories. Well, and just the idea, too, that there's these people playing an alternate reality game where they're taking on the question uh, persona, right? When you, when you say faceless vigilantes. Uh, very interesting. This one is, I wish I knew the creative team, you know, uh, on this. Yeah, if, if Greg Ruck's name was slapped on this, it would <laughs> <Yeah>. win. <laughs> Well, I'd like to think it would anyway. So, so that's cool. That's going up against Constantine and the Demon Vacation from Hell. Well, questions is winning for me here. I don't know about that. Oh, Uh, no. Arcane Gale. What? Arcane Gale meets... Arcane Gale meets Hellish Fury. You're reading it like it was a name. Yeah, I was. That's why I was confusing myself. Isn't that why we capitalized? Arcane Gale meets Hellish Fury. John Constantine is forced to play... Host to Etrigan the Demon, and the pair embark on a deeply personal and potentially apocalyptic mission. Journeying back home to Liverpool, Constantine must confront ghosts from his past and Etrigan. Etrigan? Etrigan. That's that's, that's the demon who's like the bouncer because he lets you in. He's the Etrigan. And Etrigan isn't exactly the first choice for an ally. So. This this sounds like those movies, uh, The Trip. Like the trip to, um, who's that British comedian? Um, oh yeah, yeah, do. Rob Brydon and uh, yeah, uh, Steve Coogan. Yes, sounds like that. Both Constantine and the Demon, and I'm here for that one. So wait, how do you even know about that? Do you only know about that because of their Michael Caine impression, like Face Off? Uh, uh, so I know about that. They, there's things things that have been popped off, and one of the film podcasts I listened to covered those. Um, that way back. So, you know, I think I watched one of them a long time ago. Yeah. Back when Netflix just started streaming. I haven't seen any of the trip, but mm-hmm. I do like that clip, and I really like Rob Ryden. I think he's really yeah. funny. So I should probably watch it at some point. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm upset to say that Vacation from Hell is winning by 5% yep. here. Uh, oh, no, on here it's 9%. I got a 44 to 55. Actually, it's 11. Um, 
Yeah, I, I've got the same thing. I just I just took it as five away from fifty. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, good point. Yeah, should, yeah. I'm not going to work out the math. I was just fifty five yeah. to forty four. Right, that's the yeah. <laughs> ratio. So you're all bastards. Uh, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So let it be known. Next up, we have Suicide Squad Dark, and it's notable the the font here is much like dark metal. Uh, that's that yeah. font from the from the from the events. A team of occult misfits and monsters assembled by Amanda Waller and led by Vampire Batman are forced into a mind-melting suicide mission to assassinate Earth-13's League of Shadows. I mean, I can't deny that they're going all out with the oh yeah the kitchen sink there with that one. Which one's Earth-13? Is that... That's not the magic Earth, is it? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I don't remember which Earth is which. No, it is. It's where it's where Super Demon. Uh, okay. So the League of Shadows, that is their Justice League. So they are on a mission to assassinate that Earth's Justice League. Interesting. Uh, that's up against Justice League Redacted. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it doesn't sound like that's something they're going to reveal later. It's just the title is Justice League Redacted. Yeah. Just, for, just to clarify that. Uh, so Green Arrow has watched many heroes, the great, the good, the kind, be forever scarred by the darkness they swear to fight. Rather than sit by and let any more of his friends fall to the festering abyss, he decides to create a Justice League Black Ops team of fighters who can survive a few more shadows. Because as far as he's concerned, they may already be lost. Green Arrow's team of Nemesis, Killer Frost, Manhunter, Metamorpho, and Cheshire are needed more than ever. Green Arrow was worried about what happens when you look into the abyss of the eye. That goes double when Johnny Sorrow and Merlin team up. So inherently, I just like the sound of this more than Suicide Squad Dark yeah. anyway. Uh, yeah. But you throw in Johnny Sorrow as the villain, and I'm I'm a little interested. Yeah. Uh, and I'm happy to say that this is winning fifty six to forty three yep. uh, mm-hmm. in this matchup right now. So that's good. But uh, yeah. Uh, by the way, you have till April third to vote on these, which is the day this podcast comes out. So uh, it's yeah. probably too late to actually. I mean, maybe there's some last minute votes you can cast. Yeah. <laughs> The patrons have got time. The pat- if you listen to this late in the Saturday, <laughs> yeah. patrons, you've got time to go vote. <laughs> uh, I sent out a tweet after this going, hey, go vote for uh, uh, Ted Grant, Man Lives. <laughs> All right, so that's that matchup. Next up, we got Firestorm Fourth World Problems. That's a funny title. I mean, I'll, I'll get yep. that. Uh, when Ronnie Raymond and Jason Rush make the startling discovery that the Firestorm Matrix contains a spark of the life equation, Darkseid and his army turn their sights towards the teenage nuclear heroes. But can Ronnie and Jason put their differences aside to combine into Firestorm, or will Darkseid claim the Matrix for himself and Apocalypse? Do you know, Firestorm's one of these characters that has never had that book. there's there's never been the Firestorm book that people point to and go that's the Firestorm book you need to read it it's the one that will convince you the character's worth having around Mm -hmm. it's never happened he's had alright guest appearances and some things but that's about it if they told me a good creative team for this that sounds like a vaguely interesting premise but yeah tying him to the the whole fourth world thing with the life equation because it's this nuclear thing that fuses two people's personalities it's actually kind of cool it's interesting yeah there's, there's some stuff there to be played with. Um, we're asking up against Kid Flash, The Speed of Fear. That's a cool title. 
Reverse Flash meets with Parallax in an unprecedented combination of the Speed Force and the fear-based yellow power ring to create the deadly Speed Ring to shatter Oa's central Green Lantern battery. A confused and isolated Kid Flash, Wallace West to be specific, uh, mm-hmm. must chase Thawne across a variety of alien worlds to stop him and the Sinestro Corps while his own powers die because of Kid Flash's slow disconne- disconnection with the Speed Force. Interesting. Seems like uh, a hat on a hat, right? This like, feels, yeah, this feels like a mashup of some things for the sake yeah. of just mashing them up, which isn't yep. necessarily bad. Uh, no, but again, do we have to do the destruction of the batter- power battery again? Yeah, that's happened a lot, hasn't it? Uh, <laughs> We've know, kind of been there, done that enough. That, that said, uh, Wallace taking precedent and, you know, his own, you know, knowing what we know about uh, his origin with Reverse Flash, I think that's pretty... Pretty cool, you know how uh, it, it didn't they change it how Thon influenced his version of Zoom, right? Because that was his dad. Yes, and he holds him for corrupting. Um, I mean, I never read that stuff because I dropped it like a a yeah. lead brick, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So not that you get um, bricks without a lead, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, a, a lead brick is very heavy, so. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, it would be very heavy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if anyone's so, actually making bricks of lead though. No, no, you don't. I mean. Unless you're trying to contain a nuclear reaction, um, uh, that's very good. Yeah. Very possible, very possible. Uh, so yeah, uh, Kid Flash is winning out of these two, 55 to 44. Uh, I would say there's none of these so far that have been like landslides. They've all been, you know, the worst it's been is like 55 to 44. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's some rounding here because yes, I am aware that there is a percentage missing yes. in that. But I assume it's just the way it's rounding. Uh, next up, we got Black Canary, When Canaries Cry. When Black Canary intercepts an intelligence operative trying to deliver sensitive material on an encrypted, on a, sorry, encrypted disc, she finds herself plunged into the world of espionage to counter, or sorry, to contend with an international consortium known as Mysterium. With the help of a French spy, Dinah must stop the shadow organization from instigating war for their own profit. Sounds uh, kind of like classic Birds of Prey, just without Babs. Yep. Well, and, and it's really tying Dinah back into the whole spy angle of her early career. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's going up against Green Lantern, The Light at the End of Forever. Okay. <laughs> a dark, far future, a galaxy gripped by tyranny, when an elderly farmer in a backwater system is brutalized by the latest thugs with jetpacks and jackboots to call themselves lawmen, he remembers a forgotten past, an era of champions, a cadre of noble peacekeepers. Long since vanished, his name, he's sure of it, is John Sure. Whatever happened to the Green Lantern Corps, and is it too late to reignite the light? So, you know, as, as I was reading the first part of that, I was thinking this is definitely one of the Lanterns who's like forgotten mm-hmm. their past or has just re- chosen to, to forget their past. <laughs> no, just John. Yeah. Well, no, it is one. I was right. Well, I thought you meant, like, a random lantern, like, not necessarily... No, no, I meant one of the main characters, but what I was expecting was is that the description wouldn't tell us which one it was, and we could sit and theorize, but then by the end it just told us that it was George Drew. So, never mind, no mystery. (laughs) Ah, damn it, trying to make me log in to vote. (laughs) Let's try to to vote right now. Log in? Well, I was was trying to pull up current numbers, right, Um, as we record this. Mm Mm-hmm. But, oh, here we go. 
So yeah, so as of I have current ones right now for um for a lot of these. So which one are we on? Canary and yeah. Green Lantern. There's actually a mistake on the article for this because it says they're yeah. both at fifty four percent, which and that's can't be right. And, <laughs> and that's why I wanted to pull this up. Um so uh as of right now, Canary is beating it uh beating Green Lantern fifty four to forty six. Okay. Yeah, so it's basically that's that's this was is still right. It's just that they've they've picked yeah. the same number twice. Yep. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I think Black Canary has more of a cult following now than Green Lantern does, bizarrely. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because if you go back, you know, fifteen years, Green Lantern was like the hottest thing in comics. But yeah, uh, times do shift. Black Canary's got a big following, so it doesn't surprise me all that much. Uh, next up, we have. DC Horror Presents Ghost Tour from Hell. It's kind of sad that the next DC Horror Presents book is in this and isn't just happening, but... Uh, I mean, not... I mean, I feel like there, if there's enough... I feel like these are still in their back pocket, right? Like... Sure. Although, you know... Seeing some of the words in this description, it's not... A, a, well, maybe a continuity, but it's got, it's got some mm-hmm. DC characters in it. Uh, yeah. A frantic mother begs Madame Xanadu to help in finding her missing son, last seen on a ghost tour with friends. Xanadu's reading reveals that there's a nefarious being behind the disappearance in New Orleans. Enlisting the help of the demon Etrigan, more Etrigan, God, and Deadman, Mm -hmm. the trio quickly realize that they're on a ghost tour from hell, and they're no match for these supernatural kidnappers. I mean, that sounds like fun. It better be Gentleman Ghost. It's just... Again, creative team would really help a lot. I think the art in this one especially would really sell yeah. sell me on it. That's going up against Animal Man, the Metamorphosis. Buddy Baker, aka Animal Man, has serious problems. His home life is in shambles, his daughter's powers are awakening, and the world needs him. But he's stuck. He needs change. Soon Animal Man will enter a cocoon. But when the Metamorphosis is complete, what will emerge? I mean, I'm all for more Animal Man. We've not had a proper Animal Man since the early New 52, so... Yeah. And bizarrely, it was like one of the few books that I really, really liked at that time. Uh, Ghost Tour from Hell is winning 51% to 49%. So, as of right now, oh. uh, Ghost Tour from Hell is losing 48% to <gasps> 52% to Animal Man. Good. Animal Man should win. Yes. Yeah. Now, I want this Ghost Tour from Hell, though. Uh, I mean, this is this is one of the first ones where I was like, I could have either or. I don't have a strong feeling either way. Um, if, if Ghost Tour from Hell was up, up against some of the others, I'd be like, yeah, sure, let it win. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, that one, I don't want more. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. I just want more Dead Man. You know, I, I like Dead Man. Oh, this one has the biggest uh, difference out of the lot. So yeah, up next, well, we have Green Lantern, The Birth of Conspiracy. In 1947, three events kindled America's fascination with UFOs. The Men in Black, Flying Saucer Sightings, and the Roswell Crash. Three low-level government employees tasked with monitoring superheroes realized that one person was at all three events, Green Lantern, and he hasn't been seen since. Okay, that sounds great. <laughs> I'm just gonna... Someone's been reading Department of Truth, because that sounds very much like a story. That, that just sounds Truth. like a good way to use that character in a sort of elseworldy yep. way. That just sounds like a fun time. And even the font that they've used for Green Lantern here is a bit more pulpy looking. Yep. So, yeah. So... It would take something really special, I think, to fight this. And I'm not so sure that Captain Kara <laughs> and his best friend Darkseid is the... As much as it sounds crazy and kind of like, oh, what's this going on? I'm not sure it's going to measure up. But uh, here's the description. 
The interdimensional space epic no one asked for. I mean, that's true. <laughs> yes, yes. Darkseid is trying to eliminate the newest new god, but the extremely f- furious... Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, we hate us too. At least it's been self-aware, I'll give yeah. it that. Zucru is determined to reach their long-foretold Captain Carrot first, before friendship ruins everything. Like, that sounds cute, but come on, this UFO Green Lantern story sounds too good. Yeah, so, I feel like in the hands of, like, a Mark Russell, this Captain Carrot and Darkseid, like, superly, overly... I can, I can see Mark self- Russell doing the Green Lantern one! <laughs> well, yeah, too, but, like, he he has a tendency, like, his, his Flintstones was was super self-aware and knew exactly what it was um but yeah yeah how, how do you fight the green lantern conspiracy book you, you just don't yeah full conspiracy book is a key key part there um <laughs> yeah this is green lantern at the time of the article it was winning 62 percent to 37 percent. Mm-hmm. so that's this is the only one that has went over that 60 40 barrier yeah so so as of current time it is uh, sixty-four to thirty-six, so not much. So, so, so it's actually gotten even bigger. The gap's bigger. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, honestly, this this Green Lantern book may be the one I want to win out of the whole batch so far. This is my yeah. this is my running favorite, and I'll be mad at anything that beats it now. I think. Well, that said, I still got more to look at. Uh, next up, we have Superboy, the Man of Tomorrow, determined mm-hmm. to find his place. In a strange universe, Connor Kent slash Superboy slash Superboy leaves Earth behind, but his journey of self-discovery brings him face to face with a group of freedom fighters who challenge not just everything Connor stands for. It's so weird saying Connor, like mm-hmm. just the first name, because yeah, I think a, that ginger tit who's on here. Uh, <laughs> but what what it means to bear the the, the Superman crest? Uh, yeah, so Connor Kent Superboy. You know what? It's it's probably got an easy victory here in this first round, yeah. and the and the current percentages of fifty ninety forty uh, show that because it's up against cyborg cyber gods, and I don't mean to be cruel here, but like I don't think a cyborg book would ever win this. I think it would be a very special one, but it it seems like every cyborg book is like, am I man or am I machine? And this yeah. is just more of that, like. I tried the new 52 book, we tried the one at the start of Rebirth, and it feels like mm-hmm. they just keep doing the same thing, and... And I don't feel like there's a market, I feel there's a market for Cyborg, like, there's a reason he's been around for so long, and he's great on the Teen Titans. Not so much Justice League, where they kind of just used him as a teleporter, um, but he's a good character, and I just feel like they keep not finding the best creative for him. He's like a really good wrestler that just can't find a character, you know? Um... Like, they, something needs to change about him fundamentally mm-hmm. to turn him into a main eventer. And they keep not doing that. So yep. they keep trying to push him as someone who can carry a solo book, and it keeps not working because he still just is... I always say two-dimensional because there is depth in Cyborg, but yeah. it's, it's very much one well, layer of and depth. And we all know that, but it seems like they're only preoccupied with the man or machine aspect where, mm. you know, give me Vic Stone, you know, trying to do good, you know, for the next generation... You know, we all know he's a machine, right? I mean, hell, like, see, see when the they did that that Warner Brothers thing where they announced, oh, this is the this is the plan, right? Six years ago, when they said this is this is our next few years of DC mm-hmm. movies, and they said twenty twenty cyborg solo movie. That may be the first time in my life where a studio told me they were going to do something, 
And I went, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't think yeah. I ever thought that to myself before that day. And I, I just, I was like, I don't believe you're doing a cyborg movie. I just don't believe yeah. it. And I mean, sure enough. From what I remember watching on Doom Patrol, he, that, that version is pretty good. It's, oh, it's, yeah, it's fun in Doom a Patrol, A lot more yeah. in-depth than Am I Man or Am I Machine? Like, well, he's trying it, to figure it, out. There's a lot of his dad issues, you yeah. know, at pl play. The, you know, there's, there's good stuff in there. Well, they, they made him fit in Doom Patrol from what I know about Doom Patrol really well, where... You know, he's he's an outcast, but he's trying to work his way back in, you know, versus some of the other Doom Patrol members that just can't. And he he made a great opposite for Robot Man, right? Um, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. And I, and I get I get why. I get why they're pushing him. Like, you know, like mm -hmm. the, the, the upper end of the characters is very, very white. We need more diversity yeah. in the, the bigger books. We absolutely do. So I get mm -hmm. why... We, we do try to use cyborg like we do but they've not done anything to actually give him the depth to make him work at that level and i feel yeah. like there's just there's a better chance of uh, other characters new characters rising so, to that so level you you, you want to go ahead and read this uh solicit basic basically uh, sure I'll, I'll, yeah. i was planning on it yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Alright, Cyborg, Cyborg God. Cyborg has grown so powerful that he no longer needs to leave his cold metal lair. He fights the good fight, but only virtually with Cyborg replicas. It's in a very Ultron. Uh, yeah. When the supervillain Gizmo, uh, as in the gremlin? <laughs> uh, Gizmo from, uh, what is it, the Fatal Five? Yeah, I figured. Um, I just wanted to yeah. make my joke. Gotcha. Uh, Gizmo and Clarion, the witch boy, uh, mix magic and tech. They become powerful technomancers. Cyborg is joined by Beast Boy, who tries to remind him of his true power, his human spirit. Cyborg must reconnect with his human side and face the world, or Gizmo will become an omnipotent, unchallenged cyber god, and Clarion will get what he's always wanted, chaos and destruction. I mean... <sighs> It doesn't sound bad, but no. it made me roll my eyes when we got to his true power of the human spirit. And it's like, there's a story in here about how Cyborg feels like he doesn't have to leave. You know what I mean? Like, he sends out these drones or whatever. I mean, and it's, I think there's a story here that is good yeah. about man versus machine where it's him remembering yeah. his humanity. That That's, like, honestly, a yeah. there's a reason why so many science fictions about robots mm have -hmm. uh, used right. that tactic, but... I think the problem is, is that, it, and obviously Punisher does better than Cyborg does in terms of just like being consistently more relished in like terms of having a good book or a fan base that really like his books. But I see a very similar problem to Punisher with Cyborg in that with Punisher, okay, his family was killed and he becomes this badass, like no, no mercy vigilante taking down the people who did, did him wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Marvel have found ways to keep giving them new things to do, but certainly my perspective of just looking over at Punisher, and especially when they do new movies of Punisher, is that they just keep returning to the same origin story, because that's, mm -hmm. like, all he really is, is the origin story. I feel like Cyborg has the same problem, where this Man or Machine story really should be one of the first stories you do with Cyborg, and then we have to move on and do other things. So it's just yeah. kind of funny that we're doing the... We're doing the distant future where he's just succumbed to the same plot again, <laughs> just on a more extreme basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Once you started comparing Cyborg to Punisher, I was like, where's he going? <laughs> like, what, what? what is this? And then you pulled it together, so... I, I, I had a point. I made my yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. 
Um, and, and to be yeah. fair, like, even the Superboy description, like I want to point this out, that sounds very vaguely just it's a Superboy story. Like like saying he has to fight some villains and he has to like sort of consider what the what it means to wear the Superman crest. You could say that in any Superboy story ever written. That last yeah. line. No, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, uh, but I still vote for Superboy because it's Connor Kent. Like, come on. Uh, you're a mark. That's all that is. <laughs> yeah, I'm a hundred percent. Uh, so I don't really like either of these last two. Yeah. Because... I'm not big on these are these two against like either way. I don't feel like they're making it past. Uh, let's see how this this goes because they have the printout. So this will take on the winner of the Green Lantern uh, conspiracy. Yeah. Green, Green Lantern conspiracy is winning at least two rounds. I'm, I'm just yeah. I'm putting it out this, there now. <laughs> yeah, this this is the sacrificial lamb to that. Um, so let's see. Because at yeah, least, and then because not not that every one has sounded great, but at least some of the ones that aren't great at least have some sort of premise that sounds unique yeah. or different or at least that that kid flash one it's like okay it's a bit nonsensical but at least they're saying things that are like oh we're smashing these things together to make something happen mm-hmm. uh these last two it just kind of feels like oh it's the far future and cyborg still going through the same thing Superboy's just still questioning what it means to have the superman emblem on his chest like <laughs> like being here done that uh Green Lantern UFO conspiracy sounds way more fun. <laughs> so, uh, yes. that, that that is them. So just I'll just read through the titles again, just to summarize here for everyone. So you've got Hawkman and Hawkwoman, the Changeling, going up against Wildcat and Nine Lives. You got the Questions Grand Solution going up against Constantine and the Demon Vacation from Hell. You have Suicide Squad Dark going up against Justice League Redacted. You have Firestorm Fourth World Problems going up against Kid Flash, The Speed of Fear. You have Black Canary, when Canaries cry, get up against Green Lantern and the light at the end of Forever. You have DC Horror Presents Ghost Tour from Hell, get up against Animal Man, The Metamorphosis. You have Green Lantern, The Birth of Conspiracy versus Captain Carrot and his best friend Darkseid. You have Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow versus Cyborg, Cyber Gods. So Green Lantern, Birth of Conspiracy is definitely my favorite out of all them. Um... I also would not mind Animal Man and the Metamorphosis. Uh, what was the other one that I kind of liked? Uh, Just like Redacted, I'd say it sounds pretty mm-hmm. decent. Uh, questions, I like the sound of. And while I make fun of Matt, I do think the Wildcat book does yep. sound like at least a, at least a, a less used character to like have mm-hmm. a nice little mini about, if nothing yeah. else. Don't, don't go into the comments underneath that on Twitter, because it's just a bunch of people bitching about you know this being a popularity contest. And I was like, all right, well, at, at least, you know, Wildcat is is getting a moment, you know? But, like, sure. all of these, I wouldn't say these aren't popularity contests. It's not like they put, there's, I don't see any Batman. No, there's really no Batman. I mean, in, in any I, of these. I think the sad or Wonder tr- Woman or the sa- Superman. The sad truth is, is <clears throat> the Batman books will definitely sell, so they don't have to put them in the tournament. <laughs> right. Just, they'll just, they'll just green mean, light them instead. Didn't, didn't Robbins win this last year? I don't remember which one last year. Yeah. I, I have no so idea. I feel like it was the Robbins book. Um, so I, I, I genuinely have no idea. But no. yeah, I, I mean, that, that's the sad part of this is that the reason why these are all in the tournament is because these are all the books. It's kind of sad that... I mean, there's three Green Lantern books in here, and it's yeah. kind of sad that we can just green light some Green Lantern books, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
they are all although other than Green Lantern, they're they're pretty much all smaller or, you know, at the very least upper B tier characters. There's no mm-hmm. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. That's... Uh you've got a kid flash, but you don't have the flash, you know, like so clearly it's just uh this yeah. is where these characters rank, they get to go in the tournament. I mean, what would the alternative be? Give you the creative teams, but not the books themselves? Because that's still just a popularity contest. But I mean, I suppose yeah. at least it's popularity based on writing quality and yeah. art quality. Yeah, all right. So last year we had... Uh, Robbins was the winner. But last year we had a Green Lantern's Underworld on Fire versus an Etta Candy book. Uh, you had the Brave... Let's see. The Brave and the Bug, Crisis on Infinite Ambush versus Zatanna and the King of Nightmares. A Lobo, a Lobo Annual Man, Animal Man, one. Um, JLQ versus Robbins. You had Son of the Creeper. Pawn, pause off the Justice League. Jesse Quick, which, man, no Jesse Quick anything in a while. Uh, Blue Beetle Graduation Day. Night Runner Love in Paris. Swamp Thing, A House of Secrets. Suicide Squad 7. Uh, Asteria, The Last Amazon. And Superman and Lois Ignition. So, like, even the ones last year, it's not like there was a huge... It is um, a little bit sad that the winner last year, we tried one issue and went, eh, this is a bit meh. Yeah. <laughs> this is um, a bit of shit. Yeah, and then they, when they got to the, the finale, they put the, who the creative teams were. Um, and so oh, it was so... Robbins, with, which was Tim Seeley, and uh, so, so Baltimore so, Revis. So they didn't give his creative teams then at this point? No. So we didn't get nope. them till the end. Okay, that's interesting. Right. Which also helps with voting, too, because you just don't want people voting for a popular writer. You know what I mean? Like, this gives you, you're just voting for the concept, in, in theory. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. I actually think voting for the creative team would be more beneficial for quality sake. <laughs> like, it matters who's yeah. writing the book. <laughs> like, it absolutely right. does. No, right. So how they did it last year was um, the pitches, and then after round one, you get the concept art for the ones that win. Round two, you get the creative teams. Uh, round three is the full single-page previews, and then round four are 10-page sneak peeks. So it sounds like they at least have, on some of these, you would think they have this stuff ready to go uh, with a lot of them. So who knows if this is going to be any different. Um, but yeah, hopefully... Uh, yeah, I'm really rooting for, for Ted Grant versus... Or Ted Grant. Um, the Wildcat. Versus Green Lantern Conspiracy. Th- yeah. Those are my two top. Yeah, Green Lantern Birth of Conspiracy is my pick to win it. If it doesn't win it, I will be mad at all of you. And I'm sure I'm sure I like I'm sure I spoke positively about the concept of Robins last year because <laughs> yeah. it was a fun concept. I just I just really didn't like the first issue that much. Mm-hmm. Uh some of the characterization just felt a bit off. Uh, Tim Seeley let us down. What can I say? <laughs> um but yeah there you go so there's your round robin go vote if you haven't already uh, and if you do miss at least this first round you'll get a chance to vote in round two uh when it's down to eight potential winners and i suspect that green Lantern, green the birth of conspiracy will still be an option at that point so <laughs> you can uh vote for that still mm-hmm. please thank you all right um there's your news for the week so fun yeah I guess, yeah, all right. Something like that. All right, well, yeah, that was good. Uh, yeah, uh, I suppose we get to the books there. I, I don't, I mean, 
we could ramble about other things, I suppose, but I, 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 I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit hungry. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get through this. Shadow War Alpha Issue 1, Joshua Williamson writing with Victor Bogdanovich on the art. This is the... It's not quite... Well, it's kind of a one-shot, because the second part will be called... Yeah, see what you did there. One-shot. Oh, uh, uh, but... Yeah, this is the start of the Shadow War crossover event. Yeah, this is... Yeah, this is Issue 1 of an event, um, of a crossover. Uh, but... They're doing but that the, alpha branding. Yeah, but the, like. the title of the book is just issue one, and there's yeah. not going to be an yeah, issue yeah, two. Yeah, 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 no, I know. Um, but, but yeah, uh, so this is the culmination, or not culmination, but uh, Williamson starting, like, pulling threads together from the three things he's been working on, you know, uh, yeah. Robin, Deathstroke, Inc., and Batman. So uh, it's cool to know that they he had an idea in mind, and this is where it's going, and... It went places that I kind of suspected, but not this quickly. So that's yeah, I yeah, I will say I was pleasantly surprised by this. Not that I was thinking it was going to be bad, but yeah, I, I think there was an element of oh, all these books are are tied into this crossover. It was like oh, I need to read mm-hmm. Deathstroke Inc. <laughs> like there was there was definitely a feeling. Um, you're, no, you're, I mean I mean the issues that are in the crossover, Matt, not the, the issue. Oh before. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You're shaking your, you're shaking your head yeah. at me. As if I, I didn't mean that. I meant gotcha. Just the issues in the yeah. crossover. I, and I want to give Williamson credit too, because like, sure, it's better if you've been reading everything. But I really feel like if you just pick this up, oh, I yeah, feel this, like this did, works. Yeah, that, that, yeah, he he did a good job at this being a jumping on point. Uh, but that's not that's not why I'm pleasantly surprised though. Uh, I'm pleasantly surprised because I actually think, and I think this is maybe something I'm learning with Williamson is that mm-hmm. he's very hit and miss. And I think he misses when he's spinning wheels or when he's not mm-hmm. allowed to really go anywhere. This issue works because there's actually something big that happens that mm-hmm. is propelling the story. And I think it does a good job of setting up some key character beats that pay off later in the issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book starts with uh, Ra's al Ghul and he's like monologuing about being the demon. But then, you know, the, the sort of, not, not quite the joke transition but yeah. he's actually standing in the bathroom being kind of sick and he's he's an old man and he's dying and then he thinks that there's a fight going on but then it, it turns out that it's just tally and robin sparring it's just them they're, being... they're bonding yeah, they're bonding yes and, and raz know? smiles he's, he's like oh yeah. my my family look at my my sweet daughter and my grandson <laughs> both both who have body counts longer than <clears throat> you know the fbi most wanted list yeah, so it's it's kind of this odd thing where they're finally bonding, and Damien even says, "You know, I'm the son of the bat," and she's like, "Maybe you should call yourself my son. It'd be more impressive to people." And then like sort of outthinks him for a moment, and it's actually kind of this sweet family bonding sequence uh, that that is sort of overshadowed with like Raz like dying and him like coughing up blood, and they don't see this, but he's kind of like you know looking down and smiling, but he's got this this lingering presence over mm-hmm. him. So it's it's really neat, and then we see Batman taking out some criminals in Gotham. Um, one 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 bad guy is like kidnapped some parole, uh, or parolees. It's, yeah, so it's this uh, like I remember from the animated series, but the character named Lockdown, who you know, basically is just an evil cop. Yeah, I, mean, I can't I can't say I remember this character. Yeah. yeah. So I just remember Lockdown. He's I remember the toy when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, so he takes people that you know were released, but that's not good enough. So he's like this lawful evil type Yeah, guy. he's basically trying to enslave parolees mm-hmm. because he still sees them as criminals. So Batman right. saves the day. Uh, but then Oracle's like, hey, Batman, might want to you know, turn the news on in those, uh, <clears throat> bat, those bat goggles you've got on. 
And the big sort of event that is happening here is that Ra's al Ghul, along with Talia, are turning themselves into authorities for everything they've done. And, you know, we see people talking about it. Uh, it references uh, Checkmate, and I sort of... Yeah. The, the editors though said, as if you missed the events of Checkmate, and I'm like, yeah, I think I you'll find I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, So which I did like too, because you didn't need any of that, even though I did read all that, right? Just to know that, that uh, you know, this Leviathan stole Talia's name at the end, Talia's made it her mission to reclaim Leviathan. Um, and and he handled it pretty well here. I also did like that when Talia confronts Raz, she's like, I'm not turning myself in. You can. So I thought that was a fun wrinkle. Yeah, uh, it, it does that shock it, reveal where Batman reacts to it. Um, but then it, you know, it cuts back to when Raz is trying to convince Talia to do this. And Raz is basically saying something to the effect of, you know, we have tried with violence for centuries mm-hmm. to, to change the world, and it's not mm-hmm. working. So we're going to try to do something different. I'm going to try it this mm-hmm. way. Um, so the issue kind of then revolves around, like, Raz's condition for turning himself in is that he got to speak on TV before he, mm-hmm. he went in. So there's going to be this big press conference, and Batman is on the rooftops it's in Washington, D.C., at the Markovian Embassy, which is where he's turned himself in. And... Do you know what? I, I I think this was quite effective, where mm-hmm. you you just you know, Batman looks over his shoulder, the full page reveals that Damien's on the opposite rooftop, and he's mm-hmm. like, father, and he's like, Damien. And it's this like sort of moment where, because, you know, Damien and Batman have barely seen each other in a while. Ever, it's ever been since a while I, since I've seen them even reference each other. Yeah, ever since Alfred died, you know, Damien went yeah. off and did his own crappy Teen Titans thing, but yep. then obviously in the, the Robin book, he's been flying solo, he's interacted with some mm-hmm. of the Bat family, but not Batman. Mm-hmm. And I love Oracle saying, Bruce, hug your damn son, <laughs> like, over the comms, yeah. and Bruce not doing it. And they're both up here just to monitor the situation and try and keep an eye on things. And, um... Raz makes his speech and t- talks about basically he wants to reveal the Lazarus, the secret of the Lazarus into the world for science to like, you know, yep. do with what they want with and make a difference to the world. Cause he wants to save the people in the world as well as the world itself. He wants to stop killing people and he- he's seen the value in humanity. Yep. And just as he's doing this and it sets up the threat as well, that a lot of people who have worked with Raz over the years probably won't want him speaking about what he's done and what they've Good done. Good guys and bad guys. Yeah. So it opens it up to, to that too. That it's not just, you know, who, who you would think that, that want to take Raz out. So um, so kind Ambassador Raz al Ghul is just finishing his speech and then there's a two-page spread of him getting shot in the head. That's the big event of this issue is that Raz al Ghul has been assassinated on live TV. And, and so... You're just like, oh, well, you know, there's Lazarus Pits. He, he's not done, done. And, and oh, you're skipping the... ahead. You're skipping ahead. Before we uh-huh. even get to that, like, it looks like Deathstroke, right? So okay. you get to. I page... didn't know if you wanted to reveal that quite yet. Yeah. So, um... so yeah, you get Deathstroke and Batman's like Deathstroke and Damien's yelling grandfather. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's so effective here is that this. It, it did a, a good job of giving you this sweet moment of Raz looking down at his daughter and grandson mm-hmm. and like, just looking over them fondly. So that when he gets killed later in the issue, it hits harder. It's like, oh no, it gave us a little bit of Razzie's humanity. And then he tries to do this good thing as well, as well. So there's this, you know, double thing here. And then through Robin, we'd seen like this new version of of Raz who was kind of sent out and, you know, we kind of didn't realize why until the end of that, that Robin story. 
you know, found out that he was dying and he's trying to make peace. And he finally does, and it's his last act, right? He's as he's trying to make peace with the world and his family, um, it's all taken from him. Uh, yeah. with a shot of a sniper's bullet. Yeah, and obviously there's more shots. I think Tally gets hit in the, the shoulder. Shoulder. Yeah. Um like uh Cameron Chase is like trying to like organize people on the ground. Uh this death stroke sets off and I say this death stroke is obviously a later, but we'll get yeah, there. Which if uh, if you remember me rambling about the uh Justice League early on, there was a team of fake death strokes running around. Well, I really don't, but <laughs> Yeah. So but anyway, that, that so, plays into to to this too, I'm sure. This death stroke sets off some explosions and it, there's these grenades that are on like t- like Basically, they're grenades, but he's got, like, a detonator to set a them timer. off. A timer. Yeah, yeah. Ra- rather than just, um, you know, them going off when they mm-hmm. land. And there's a grenade right next to the, the dead body of Raz al Ghul, and Damien runs in to go and save him, and the timer on the grenade's counting down, and Batman, full-page spread, jumps in and grabs Damien to save him from the explosion as he's saying, follow no please. And there's just a, there's a few pages here of, of Batman holding Damien as he's crying, uh, the fire, the the you know, they see the, the explosion outside the building. You see the the hug, the big Philip. You know, Damien's punching Batman, saying, "Why, yep. you know, I could have saved him. Why didn't you let me save him?" And Bruce says, "Because you're my son." And it, you know, it's this this moment where he chose to save Damien over saving the body of Raz. Right. And it, what's so effective about this is again, it set up that moment where they first see each other again, and Bruce wouldn't hug him. So here, after the death of Raz Al Ghul. He holds Damien and hugs him, and you know mm-hmm. I know I like, and without saying it, I made my choice. I saved you mm-hmm. instead, uh, and you know it's 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 a super dramatic moment. It where it plays off really well because of everything the issue set up, mm-hmm. and then then it goes into you know deeper stuff where Damien says, "I was going to tell you about everything I've done recently." I you know it's, it's almost like Damien was building up to like reconnecting yeah. with his father. He was going to tell him about the Lazarus tour. He was going to tell him about Flatline. Mm-hmm. He's got, he's, he's you know, maybe a girlfriend on the horizon. He was going to mm-hmm. tell him all these things, and then he's like, "But then you just like, what did he say, say to him? He says, because of you, I have lost two grandfathers because of your choices.' And then Batman, without thinking, the Muppet that he is, says, "If I was the one there, I would have saved Alfred." And then, good art here, Bogdanovich here. The reaction yeah. is perfect. Because it, like Damien just gives him this look and walks off uh, through the smoke and the fire, and he's like, "Damien, I didn't mean." He's like, "Yeah, you you just said you weren't good enough to save Alfred. I would have yeah. saved Alfred. That is effectively what you just said to him. You've just given the kid this guilt." And it and it lands because that is something Bruce would say, right? And trying to teach a lesson is. And the sad uh, part is, is that part of me thinks, yeah, if you were in that room. I sort of believe yeah. that Alfred would have survived. Like, that you would have yeah. found a way. <laughs> right, because it, if I remember right, in that King run, it was an impulsive move by Damien. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, he said something. Yeah, he, he goaded him yeah. into it almost, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, you know, even it's not untrue. It's just, uh, as an adult, you have to phrase things differently, you know? And, and he got hate in the moment, and yeah. Uh, and, and to be fair, as much as we had problems with how that was handled in that Batman yeah, book, it's, it's very in character for Damien to run his yeah. mouth, and there, yeah, yeah, there yeah. to be consequences because of that. Yeah, and I mean, those consequences have lasted, right? Like, Alfred's been gone for how long now? And it, this is kind of a central to... It's a central character moment for Damien. Yeah, and he and carries that, that, this guilt with him. 
yeah, in that next page was as Damien saying, I'm going to go after Deathstroke and I'm going to bring him in dead or alive. Like that panel of him walking away as Batman's just and it's just he's he's just mm-hmm. retreated into silhouette effectively in the fire. That is a wonderful panel. It shows you how alienated they are from each other mm-hmm. right in this moment. Yep. Um and he says he's going to do it with or without his help. Uh, Talia has been taken to a Lazarus pit and she says, no, 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 get me some doctors. I'm not using the Lazarus pit. No. Nope. Uh, well, that's because she knows that it was poisoning her father right. by the end. I don't know. Or if it's just because she's trying to live by like what he was trying to do at the end. Although mm-hmm. it doesn't really seem like it because she then calls well, in like all the assassins to... Yeah, so so my take on it is is there's a madness that when you go into the Lazarus pit, right? Mm-hmm. And just her being near death, not total, that it would have been wasted. She wants to keep um, her anger. She, yeah, she wants to yeah. keep her anger. She, she, someone needs to plan this revenge plot. And if she's lost her mind from dipping in the pit, yeah. she's no use. Oh yeah, because um, she's definitely not taking up this pacifism that no. was was preaching. Because she calls oh. in all the assassins and is like, "Hey, we're going to hunt down Deathstroke and anyone who's close to him." So it's like, it's like all of a sudden you're like, "Oh shit!" So you got respawn. You got uh, you got Ravager. Ravager. Yeah, all these characters now that we care about have, they're in the, trouble. Well, we don't care about well, respawn yeah. necessarily yet, but you know what I mean. Well, no, but then you also have all the cannon fodder of this trust group that Deathstroke's taken over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and again, anyone that's worked with him, who does that mean? He Deathstroke's been a hero at points, and you know, is this going to be at war with the yeah. superhero community in general? Uh, or? We should also not gloss over here that Talia's got a new outfit here. It's it's, yeah. it's a very it's like Talia mixed with the the sort of color scheme and outfit that Raz would normally wear. Mm-hmm. So it's like she's embodying her father in yeah. this outfit. It's a really she's nice picked touch. up the mantle, which I love because you know a couple say a couple months back now uh, we were gearing up for the Batman movie, and I was just wondering where people's thoughts were on their favorite villains. And when I was putting my list together, it was hard to put Roz and not also include Talia. Because they just feel the, they just work together, and so now, her assuming that mantle of the demon's head, you know, she's Rosal Ghul now. Um, I think that was a real cool move by Williamson. Yeah, no, I really like that touch, and then it, it cuts to Deathstroke Inc. headquarters. And I don't, you know, I've not been reading that, but mm-hmm. you, you, it doesn't take a lot to get that the people he's working with are suddenly like shit. Like Deathstroke just what assassinated Rosal Ghul. Yeah. Like, what are we going to do? They're going to be coming for us. And of course, and this wasn't a surprise, I, I think it was very obvious to me throughout the whole sequence that there's this assumption that they just take it for granted that that really is Deathstroke. So when this guy walks into Deathstroke and says, hey, what did you do? And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, turn on TV, you just assassinated Raz Al Ghul. <laughs> and he's like, wait, that's not me. I've not worn that outfit in years. So all of a sudden it's like Deathstroke is innocent in this and he's going to have Robin, the League of Shadows, everyone's coming after him for this. Uh, and that's the cliffhanger is that uh, mm-hmm. one of the assassins with all the all the, the the ninjas is here to to take him on. So and it says to be continued to Batman one two two next week. So this should be nice quickly paced because we already get like an issue a week basically yeah. spread out across yeah. all the books. So that's kind of nice. Uh, I have to say I went into this event just kind of like eh whatever I'm sure it'll probably be fine. I actually really like this first issue. I like the death of Raz al Ghul. I thought it had a good, lot of impact. Now, admittedly, yes, it's comics. So he'll probably be back within like three or four years. But... Yeah, he'll be back in three or four pieces. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, there might be multiple Raz al Ghuls uh, going around. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say, um, Bogdanovich, I do really like as an artist. And I think the art throughout the book is really, really strong. 
There is a couple of panels here or there where some of the details are a bit lacking. It was almost like just because it's, it's a longer issue. It's like, you know, 45 yeah. pages or something like that. Uh, just to get it on time, I suspect that some panels maybe suffered a little bit from just the detail being stripped back. But mm-hmm. by and large, it does look really nice. He's a very detailed artist. I think the coloring is really strong. Like I say, it handles the different moments. Like, you know, the the, the heartwarming of Raz looking down at his, his sparring, like, offspring is kind of yeah. sweet. And it's got this moody, kind of nice natural coloring to it. But then it turns sinister when the, the shadow of his illness comes in. Later on, I talked about the alienation of Bruce and Damien and how that is done with the the coloring and the the art. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of nice, really good touches in the art. Obviously, with the nature of this crossover event, is that we're going to have different artists all over the whole thing. Yep. So to, who's to say what it's going to be like going forward? But um, I, I I do think that they handle the moment well and that the Deathstroke being innocent and falsely accused of this mixed with Damien being on a warpath. I think Damien's character growth is probably going to be the most interesting thing to track through this, and it's been, you know, what's made his book really strong, so I'm excited for that too. So, yeah, honestly, um, I'm quite positive on all this. I, yeah, I... So, like, we, we knew what the stakes were with Roz, right? Because we knew he was sick and, you know, going into this. I didn't think that they were going to assassinate him in the first issue. Right? Like, I figured... Gotta start with a bang, Matt. <laughs> yeah, and for sure, it was a legit shock. Like, when I turned that page, you know, because you always think, like, oh, Sniper, like, someone's gonna stop him. You know, and uh, as in the heat of the moment, I was like, what's Deathstroke doing? You know, like, is he getting revenge on on him for, for the whole respawn thing? And then you realize, that's not Deathstroke's normal suit that he's been wearing. And, you know, so... I thought that it really played itself out real well, moment by moment, through that time. So, yeah, it's a whole lot of fun. Like, when Williamson hits, he really hits. Like, I got, you know, um, we've been with him from the beginning of Rebirth now. And, you know, we, we've seen the ups and the downs, and this is definitely on the upside. Yeah. he's he's. But I, I think he has as many hits as he does misses, and I think he has as many middlings as he does hits and misses. Like, yeah. I, I, he really is all over the spectrum. But yeah, that, that's that's pretty good. And after issue one of Rogues, you know, last week, he's in a mm-hmm. good spot right now. I'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably Williamson's best sort of overall era. I mean, mm-hmm. assuming it lasts longer than a couple of weeks, but yeah, uh, yeah, because for all we know, the next issue, that you know, Batman next week might completely shit the bed and ruin this. But yeah. I like the start of this at least. So mm-hmm. for sure, that's cool. Uh, can't complain. So, uh, Matt, what are you giving? Shadow War Alpha issue one. I'm giving this an eight. All right. Um. I honestly, I think I may go eight point five. I I really had a good Ooh. time with this. Yeah, I think I think I'll go a little much higher. I I I like I say, I was pleasantly surprised by this. I didn't think I was going to care that much, and I ended up being really into it by the end. So, fun time, fun time. Uh, cool. All right. The Swamp Thing, issue 11, Ram V writing with Mike Perkins on the art. Very nice to have this back. Uh, missed it dearly. I, I think because mm-hmm. he left Catwoman and then this went on a break, we've had a bit of a Ram V deficiency <laughs> over the last couple for of sure, months. For sure, So, delighted um, to sort of dig into this. And um, I, I think what I like about the, the, the tactic of the main gist of this, this issue, which is that Jennifer 
Swamp Thing seems to be dead by all accounts, but Jennifer right. believes that he still exists in the green and is now trying to find a way to, well, find him, basically. And she wants to find him because she she feels like she has a connection to, to Levi, right? And, like, she's been to the green. She knows what's there and that there's no way that he could be gone. Well, right? that's not the why. The why is that she just cares about him. She loves him. Well, no, no, no. I, I know that. But, like, the, the reason she believes that this, you know, that there's no way he can be gone because she's seen the green. Sure, yeah. She's been in there. But I think what I like about this is that this is a nice shift from her character because she she was in the green but then she thought it was just a dream or, or she mm-hmm. didn't know Swamp Thing was Levi for a while and obviously she reacted how she did when she found out and it became more of a reality. I think the fact that after this apparent death where Swamp Thing did this heroic thing to save people the idea that she is now fighting because she feels uh, on some level guilty for not mm-hmm. taking it well and for, it's like, no I'm going to be there for him I'm going to find a way to bring him back I care about him and I love the art here as well as she's explaining this stuff you know Perkins Moody art uh, like he's only gotten better as this book's went on and I think like dealing with, uh, with the, the the emotion that's built up now that we've really set up these characters and we have these consequences for things um, and it, you know it teases who she's talking to she's asking for help and the big reveal is is that it's um, Alec Holland's daughter Tefe uh, mm-hmm. yeah Tefe uh, which okay I've not really read Swamp Thing my Swamp Thing begins kind of with the you know Snyder to Soul era i had no idea he had a kid um and and when you look into the history this is just alec holland's kid it's super complicated um so but uh, yeah uh threw me for a loop yeah um i don't know much i I don't think she's been that much of a character before i think this is the first time that she's being used properly like you know, the, like they had they had a kid, but I, I don't know if there was like because when I looked when I looked up in DC Wiki to sort of like yeah. just sort of yeah. confirm who the hell this was because I wasn't that sure either. Um, it mentioned that this was her first proper like appearance or her first full okay. ap- appearance. So okay, uh, good. I, I, sus- I suspect that to mean that there was a story about having the kid, but you know like and maybe we saw yeah. her as a baby or something but this so, is the so, first time she's been a character properly what i read was that she she first first off she's a a elemental being named sprout that was looking for a vessel but also that swamp thing possessed john constantine who had sex with abigail arcane and conceived a baby and then the sprout elemental spirit entered the baby and became to Holland, yes, and I, I, I'm glad we don't touch on any of that, um, because yes. I like her character just popping up as you know, because Alec Holland's almost treated like this mythical figure. It did, through, it through did. Ram-Vs. Yeah, it's what's funny. I didn't read all that, but it, I did yeah. notice it listed John Constantine as her biological father. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, oh, what's that? <laughs> that's hmm, what I saw too, and I was like, I got no more. Uh, a little, little so. bit of a surrogate uh, thing Surrogacy. going here. Yeah, so I do like, though, that that in the first half of this, and let's say season one, um, that Alec Holland is treated as this, you know, mythological fe- uh, figure in the green. So the fact that, you know, they reach out to his daughter, um, I, I just, I like that uh, to, to just add to the story. Yeah, no, I just, I really like the idea of a character who, and I'm talking about Jennifer here, a character who mm-hmm. was 
shielded from the truth for, throughout the first part and then denied it and then was like she was just a bit of a damsel towards the end because uh mm-hmm. uh prescott industries what's his name from later mr pilgrim pilgrim thank you uh like her going through all this the idea of her now fighting to get him back when she never actually had like a like a moment with him to kind of like show that she accepted who he was or show that she wasn't scared by the fact that he turned into Swamp Thing or it was this kind of quote-unquote monster. Her, I think this is a great transition to now that he's gone and, you know, by and large, and we, we see that he's in the green, you know, later on mm-hmm. for, for our perspective, but the idea that she's fighting to get him back <laughs> is incredibly touching because they did have chemistry, they did have mm-hmm. this relationship, like her and Levi care about each other, so this is a really good progression for her character that really makes it feel like things have advanced, like there's consequences and there's, there's things moving forward because of the events of the last couple of issues. And it's a really neat, neat, neat jumping up. Not, not, not that I would say you could jump on here if you haven't read no. anything, but uh, what I mean is just jumping back in after a break. It's, it's a really neat sort of fresh chapter to start is her now being in the know, wanting to help, and accepting Levi as Swamp Thing in this way. So, yeah, I, just, I really like her motivations here, and it really kind of propels the character into uh, less of a side character and more of a main character. And I, I think that's always something you really do... That, that's always something you really do to set up a new chapter of any any serialized story, mm-hmm. is when you take a character who seemed smaller before and elevate them into being the protagonist of the story for a while it kind of gives them some more importance, but also makes it feel like the story is really evolving because it's moving into a new phase. Yeah. Well, so. and it, I like how it's intercut too, is that it looks like when she goes to talk to, to Faye, she's like, oh, I can't help you. And then she leaves, right? And then we get to the stuff with Pilgrim and Woodrow and, and Prescott Industries. And then when Tefe comes back, it does feel like, again, like this bigger moment because of what's to come. Like she could feel it. That, you know, this wasn't just someone that was looking to do, you know, something. There's there's real emotion behind what she wants to do. Um, and I just like how that's handled. Yeah, because our reason for showing up to help later is... Because first she says no, and then we, you know, mm-hmm. we, we cut to other stuff. And when she comes back later, she says, basically, I don't really care about the big picture. I don't care about saving the world. I'm kind of mm-hmm. sick of all that shit. But I can sense that you really love this person. And I, what I love is, is that... She's never actually said that to Levi. She's mm-hmm. never admitted to him that she loves him. And mm-hmm. I love that they are in that that moment. The panel of her reaction to that is her putting her head down because she's kind of, I would say, embarrassed. But it's it's this yeah. you know it's this this sort of thing where I'm not ready to say that because the first person to hear me say that should be him. Yeah. Uh, so I'm well, not going it, to. Even if you want to read it too, it, it might not even be romantic love. It's just like it's a platonic love. Like she has feelings for him that maybe she's not come to terms with all the way but there are feelings there so i mean it's definitely been hinted as romantic as before though right it's not being yeah. platonic oh yeah you know you're not coming up that whole cloth but i'm just saying yeah. like in in the terms of this too like with through that is like she's realizing this uh as as tefe is telling her um and just also the whole idea that levi is existing in the green as an idea because that, that seems to be the central theme of this issue is how ideas persist and it's, I don't want to say it's only because of, of her, but it's, you know, her belief in him is what's keeping him tethered to the green. Yeah. And, and I, it's I re- love that concept. Yeah. And it's kind of represented uh, when we see him, like Swamp Thing's basically using all of the power he has in the green to 
because everything around him is rotted, everything around him mm-hmm. is like lifeless. But there's one rose in front of him, one flower that's mm-hmm. that's sort of. I mean, if I, I think when it starts off, like there was like a, there's like a there's like a radius around him that's still like yeah. the summer, it's still go green, but it's right. kind of withering and dying, and he's putting all of his energy into just this one rose. And I kind of read that as him sort of just clinging to life. Like this is like mm-hmm. the one if he can keep his focus and sort of keep this one rose alive yeah. long enough for Jennifer to find him, then he'll right. he'll survive. So. I, I, so it's really beautiful. It's really mm-hmm. ethereal. And Swamp, I think some of the best Swamp thing it's, is kind of ethereal. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of the vibe that it goes for. Uh, so you know, I loved all this. I, and I loved that it. it's, it's taking this relationship between Levi and Jennifer and making it something that it's built over the course of the series, but now is like the linchpin of like how it's going to, like how he's going to survive and how we're going to actually have a, uh, you know, like a comeback for him and and potentially then you know solve the problem that's been set up in the other plot because clearly we're we're building to like our big villain of the of the, mm-hmm. the series here because the remains of Levi's brother are being used in an operation to turn Mr. Pilgrim into well basically make him become like a, an elemental being like yeah, so, thing. so number one, I thought that was the desert guy that we got introduced to yeah. way, way back. Um, not Levi's brother. Uh, Levi's brother was the, he was more woodsy and had the horns, right? He did. I just assumed it's because he was burned. Yeah. But you're, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you may be right. Um, yeah, I felt I felt it's because of the purple tangent. No, the reason, the, why I, the reason why right? I thought it was his brother is because at one point they mentioned his brother. Yeah, so I took that as he's fused with his brother, right? And that they they talk about these vessels. What, what's the word? I don't have the book in front of me. Um, but they they have uh, conduits, right? And that the conduits they they express onto the green as much as the green expresses onto them. So with Levi's brother, he was all just anger, right? And that anger infected that idea infected the green, and that's what gave him his powers. And I feel that's what all of those spiky creatures that are surrounding Levi are representations of his brother's anger and that eventually he's going to fuse with them. Right. And basically come to terms with his brother and whatnot. So that's, that's what I took that was because he was there with his brother. Um, when, when they got flash frozen. Um, so this guy, cause if I remember it right, um, the desert entity was what was brought to Pilgrim industries. And that's what they are doing the operation on. Because that's the thing that just craves more, right? It's the desert; it wants to consume. Um, but but yeah, I I could be wrong too, but that's how I read it. No, I was just con- I was convinced that they mentioned the brother's name when they were doing the operation. Mm-hmm. The, you know, when they were doing the surgery, which is why yeah. I was thinking it was him. But uh, no, you're probably right. It's probably the the desert being. It makes more sense. Um, but yeah, there's a Woodrow's like sort of like helping with this operation and like, the board members of the the company are all kind of like waiting to see if he evolves into the next stage of humanity basically he's like oh we're going to overcome the fact that your mind and body deteriorate i'm going to become something else and so they do this operation um i really like the art here as well actually all the layouts with the, the purple backgrounds and there's the page where he's lying on the table yeah and it kind of like so every other so it's eight panels and every other panel is it sort of alternates between the two tables where one's the body of Mr. Pilgrim and one's the body uh-huh. of the of the elemental being. And it's like a really trippy page. 
uh, with the the surgeon sort of like opening him up and putting parts of this uh, this being inside him to see if it, if he takes to it. Um, really nice stuff. Obviously, all the art of Swamp Thing in the green is great. Uh, when uh, Teffy takes Jennifer into the green, she actually thinks they're in the wrong place because it looks different. And Teffy's like, "No, this is the same place, yeah. but the green's in a pretty just rough spot right now." Uh, and yeah, Teffy's got this weird stuff where she sort of like. Like, she stretches her fingers out like she's Swamp Thing, but it's still, like, flesh-coloured, so it's kind of mm-hmm. icky and gross. <laughs> yeah, because she's, she's an elemental, too, in the same way Swamp Thing is, but she's still human. Like, she doesn't have that tie to the green the way that Swamp Thing does, where it becomes him. Um, yeah, so, 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 yeah. so it's so, gross. It's just bloody and We haven't seen anything messy. like this, yeah. yeah. It's unsettling, which which is what I love when, when it gets to the kind of more of the horror aspects. It's this kind of body horror-y stuff here. Um, which is, you know, I feel like Mike Perkins is perfect for, um, because mm. the sketchiness and whatnot, like you said, it makes you feel gross. Yeah, no, the art in this is this was great, uh, pretty much all the way through. Every scene was very distinct from each other as well, but like the way it used the, the layouts and the coloring to j- just like emphasize certain things. But as always, it's the moodiness on the faces and the kind of the, the somber nature of the art that I think just fits this book perfectly. Uh, but yeah, so Pilgrim wakes up after the operation and he starts coughing up and you think, oh, this is going bad. But then you get the full page reveal where he's like, no, I feel great. But now he's got like black vomit all down his chest and his hair's went mm-hmm. all black and long. And it's like he's turned into some monstrosity. And it's like, oh, the, the boardroom are either excited or terrified. Uh, hard to tell which at this point. <laughs> yep. Uh, so Probably both. Knowing boards. They're like, we can make so much money off of this, but I'm still kind of scared of it. Yeah, so basically this, what, what what he's just done is like sort of like triggered something. And it looks like Jennifer is about to find Swamp Thing, but we also basically see that like places around the universe, like we see a Green Lantern kind of react to like something, something, some law of reality has just broken because this guy has merged with this elemental being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get this tease at the end of a character who's also noticing that something's happening. Uh, in Motor City, who's got like metallic feet. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a guy named Jack uh, Hawksmoor, who I looked up. He's from Stormwatch. Yep. I never heard of him. He's... I'm so proud of you, Pete. Usually I'm the guy that looks all this stuff up. Well, but, I was like, uh... I, it, you know, it's, it's not so much that I, I need to know. It's more that I'm worried that I'm supposed to know and I'm just being yeah. an idiot and I've forgotten. So I'm just confirming, I was confirming it was someone that I wouldn't know. <laughs> it was yeah, basically so I, what I was doing. So I remember the name Jack Hawksmoor. Like I haven't encountered it, but I had no idea who it was. And then I looked him up and they're, Part of Wildstorm or Stormwatch, right? Stormwatch, yeah. Stormwatch, yeah. What? No, I, I was waiting on you. Oh, okay. Yes, sir. Did I just hear a firework? No, I think someone's doing work next door. Um, so I think that's a that's a bladed uh, woodworking instrument, like a saw. I'm not sure though. Hope it's not fireworks. It's way too hot for fireworks. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah, this character uh, sort of comes in as, as if he's sensing something, and he says that something bad's happened to Detroit, and it, you know, it looks like it's covered in rot or something. You know, it looks really bad. But it is Detroit. It's seen better days. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know where we're going with this character, because I don't really know anything about him, but clearly he's going to come into the story, um, and he's he's sensing that something's changed in the fabric of like the way the world works because of this this science experiment gone wrong. Uh, so we, I mean, I think what's smart about this is that it takes this this guy who really has been the main villain, Mister Pilgrim, throughout the whole book, 
but it's turned them into something that will actually be a fight with Swamp Thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, like so many Swamp Thing villains are these mad scientists or like over you know over the top people who do experiments to become something and it goes wrong. Um, it always works. There's something about it that just does click. I mean, maybe it's because. I don't know, maybe it just fits the, the tone of Swamp Thing. Because you can argue that it is overdone, but it, mm-hmm. just, it made sense to me that he was going to start just, doing experiments with himself. But with, with the whole idea, so I just looked up while, as we were talking, that elemental is called the Pale Wanderer, right? And what he represented was the, the, the guy that went off to live in isolation in the desert and was consumed by the greed of, of you know, because he was a prospector and, you know, him wanting to be consumed by, by all the mining and whatever. Him fusing with this pilgrim guy who works for Prescott is he is almost the personification, the idea of greed. Mm. Um, and yeah, sure, we've got mad scientist stuff like we have Anton Arcane and we've had um, the rot and all this other stuff. But what Ram V seems to want to do with the concept of ideas, and that's what shapes the world around us. The idea of greed being the ultimate villain of like an Earth elemental. Yeah, I mean that's that's, that's been a that's core theme new. of this book yeah. the whole time. You know, the idea of yeah. them wanting to go in and take down the forest that right. you know, Levi's family were around. You know, it was all based on greed. Like everything's right. been about and, greed. And that was before he caused all that destruction. Before this pilgrim was this pilgrim character was attached to the pale wanderer. Now he has a conduit to whatever the elemental realm is, um, and it makes him that much more of a threat. So yeah, so him creating this new, new you know antagonist. And what that represents is just again Ram V working on multiple different levels. Yeah. Uh, so a really good return, honestly. Yeah. Like, it was a great issue. I it's it was it was really easy to slip back into. And if anything, like I loved uh the first ten issues. But where was I going with that? I, I was gonna say is I remember the, <laughs> I, I remember issue ten being good but not as good as the previous few and i think this yeah. one uh is like probably one of the strongest issues the entire book's had so uh basically what i'm saying is i'm, I'm a happy I'm a, I'm a happy boy <laughs> i'm a happy something yeah. boy um, i'm trying to see if this is collected all, all 10 or is it five and five um oh i have no idea because i, I do want to revisit this uh because after reading this oh yeah i guess so they, they could do a 16 issue deluxe when it's all done yeah i don't know but i want to i want to read read this now with this in mind but yeah it seems it's just future state swamp thing one through two and then swamp thing one through four are the first and uh, that was just oh that, that makes was, yeah that makes sense because then it'll be five to ten and then yep. this to 16 yeah right it'll be so, three trades yeah so yeah and that's good but yeah i definitely want to revisit this just uh to have all of that so the story can fill in because again remembering that the pale wanderer right now was this personification of greed makes this land a whole lot better um on this time and but this is always a book that was is better the more we talk it through oh yeah like for right sure. now like i always like the issues but it, it's not until sitting and talking to you and connor that everything starts to bubble up and you really start to see where it sticks out and I end up liking it a whole lot more than i already did yeah i think my favorite thing about swamp thing just as a concept is that generally speaking all, all the stories i like they tend to have like this sense of sadness and tragedy, but there's usually a sort of hope within it, and the idea mm-hmm. that there can be something good in there that'll thrive. And 
Swamp Thing usually represents that to me. Um, and here, you know, you have the heart, the, the, the love between Levi and Jennifer kind of being this heart to the center of an otherwise really oppressing reality that's currently going mm-hmm. on around them. And I, I always, like, love that, the, the, the heart in the darkness kind of thing. So, uh, yeah. yeah, really good stuff. What are you giving the Swamp Thing out of 10? I'm giving us a 9. Hard to fault that. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'll agree and give it the nine as well. Really, really enjoyed this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's good stuff. So, cool. DC versus Vampires, issue six, James Tyen the fourth and Matthew Rosenberg writing and four artists <laughs> on the book. I mean, Schmidt is there uh, and the same artist that was on the, the Suicide Squad pages are, are is back again. But this... Uh, this- this issue can be summed up as eh, Schmidt's there. It is there, yeah. There's some pages, yeah. Um, yeah. So this is I said a big twist. This issue, there's a big swerve in this one. Uh, so the Bat Family with Green Arrow uh, are all assembling mm-hmm. at the start of the issue, and Nightwing shows up and says, "Where's Barbara?" And that's a really effective little moment because it's like oh, he's worried about Barbara, and Barbara yep. is off separate. She's with the Suicide Squad, uh, fighting some of the Suicide Squad that have turned out to vampires. <laughs> and there is a really good laugh here, actually. So, yeah, uh, yeah. so so they finally get through to Waller, and Harley's like, oh, like it's just me and uh, Deadshot against like the rest who are all turned out to vampires. So Waller turns off, or, tur- or, or switches on all the bombs in the necks that aren't, because she's like, oh, so what do you mean? You two? Who is it? Who's not a vampire? And she's like, oh, me and Deadshot. So she blows up the heads of all the other members of the Suicide Squad, which is effective in killing the vampires. However, Harley <laughs> made a miscounted because she was literally just talking to Captain Boomerang, who was not a vampire. So She calls him the German with the Frisbees, which, of course, no one knows what she's talking about. And yeah. It's not. And then he's like, you think I'm German? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so he's just like saying something to Harley and his head blows up mid-sentence. And yeah. he's like, uh, it's like, oh shit, I forgot he was here. And Bab's like, you just killed Boomerang. He's like, keep it between us girls. Like, yeah. And then Deadshot's like, I'm here too. Oh, I forgot. It's like, yeah. So th- yeah, there's this weird running joke that started that Harley just forgets who else is in the room. Yeah, but, which I'm not a big fan of because Harley's, but, you know, whatever. This is in Elseworlds style. I mean, I don't know. The, like, Boomerang yeah. dying by accident so funny. funny. Yeah, yeah, that was so funny. But um, there's there's some other characterization stuff that goes forward and just things that don't line up. And, and we'll get there. Um, uh, that that kind of took me out a bit. Um, but the, this does have a gut punch. Like, right square haymaker. So, we'll get there. Yeah, uh, so... The Bat Family are waiting for whoever to show up. It ends up being Wonder Woman and Hal show up. Uh, and they've, they've got a, a trap planned. They've got, like, a solar panel, like, light mm-hmm. panels. And Batman intentionally gets himself trapped in the lasso and when they turn these lights on. And then Hal starts like grabbing them all with his green lantern ring and the whole big plan here is that he was he wouldn't suspect that alfred would be the one who actually attacks him so alfred yep. comes out uh, out from behind and chops off his arm with an axe <laughs> which effectively Again. takes away the green lantern construct as you'd imagine yeah so so many good laughs in this between boomerang and then 
just Alfred out of the corner with an axe lopping off his arm and the way that the arm's drawn at, you know, like it's flipping through the air. Uh, that, that really cracked me up. Also, you know, Alfred being a British, you know, vampire slayer at this point, not lost on me. Like, uh, anyone in particular that's making you think of? Yeah, maybe not a slayer, but more of a watcher. Right? Oh yes, Ripper Giles, the watcher of Buffy from the television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Was, yes. I, I had to set that up uh, right, right across the crease. Yeah, uh, uh, so, that, so that's going on, and um, then like they find Joker's dead body. Uh, Bab's in the Suicide Squad, or let's say the Suicide it's just Harley and Deadshot <laughs> now. Uh, but they find Joker's dead body and realise, wait, he's not the, the king of the vampires, it's someone else. And Babs finally gets through to to Bruce yeah. and says, hey, like, it's not Joker, which means it's probably someone we know. So ba- so Batman lies about what, what she's told mm-hmm. him. But then we get the full page reveal of who the Vampire King is. <sighs> Dick Grayson puts his hand through Batman's chest and kills Batman. Gut, gut punch. But I do like that when, when he puts his hand through his chest, it breaks the bat symbol, mm-hmm. which again, symbolically breaking. Yep. I think you know. what's so good about it is that you're, we're halfway through the, the book and not only do you reveal who the villain is and it's someone that we love, so that's a bit of a gut punch, but I think naturally everyone's like, oh, Batman's the leader of this book. He's the focus of this book. Right. Like there's, there's a general sentiment from a portion of people who are sick of Batman mm-hmm. being the center of everything. They just killed off Batman halfway through the book. They, mm-hmm. they just did that. So I mean, that's that's ballsy, and it's it's a big moment. Um, this comes right after as well. Uh, Oliver kills Hal. Uh, he asks, mm-hmm. is, "Is any of my friends still in there?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'm still in here. You know, we're hard traveling heroes. We're we're best buddies." And he's like, "I was afraid of that, but I know that Hal would want me to do this for Barry." Yep. So he he, he stakes him. He stakes him. Yep. Yeah, so it's, it's you know it's, it's this thing, and then Batman's like ready to give him like judgment for killing him, and it's like mm-hmm. obviously the rules are a bit murky here because they're vampires, they're undead, right. all the rest of it. But yeah, that full page of Nightwing punching through the, the Batman's chest from the back and the full red background is perfect. Yep. Uh, yep. Nightwing with just being in black with the blue symbol and the yep. teeth. Ah, oh, nice touch. So then, of course, the Bat family's trying to fight him. Uh, Damien is like, Father, hang on! And he's like crying his eyes out, which is really funny that we got Damien like, reacting to the death of a loved one twice this week. Twice. <laughs> this kid in trauma, man. It's, it's a whole thing. Uh, so they eventually get to the, the Bat submarine uh, that was sort of like to, for their escape. They're having to run from Nightwing. Mm-hmm. And Nightwing kills Tim by stomping his head into the ground? Yeah, while also, so Tim's like, there's no way you pass all the tests. And Dick brings up, like, oh, yeah, no, your beloved Starfire. Where I was like, no, that's not. You guys are confusing your Robins. Like, that's Dick's beloved uh, Starfire. Oh, oh, that's what you're complaining about? Oh, okay. It's <laughs> uh, just one of the small things. But again, I get she's Tamaranian and their blood's different. Just, I don't know, a little bit Deus Ex here. You know, okay, I, uh, I'll give you that line is weird. I actually kind of yeah. loved it. I, I loved how bru- I, I love the fact that Dick immediately kills most of the Bat family. I think that's yeah. actually kind of no, wonderful. That's, that's brutal in that way. I just the just the way that it's compiled, I don't like. Um, and again, like again, confusing the characters. Just 
I know it's an alternate Earth and whatever. Wait, but... what, 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 how, how is it compiled badly? What are you talking about? So just just like the way that he monologues to to Tim about you know about the Tamaranian blood and this that and the other and just I don't know it just didn't land with me. Okay. Um, but I, no, I, I I do like the idea again. I hate that Dick Grayson's the king of vampires, right? Because I'm supposed to. Um, it's a turn that's worked effectively. Yeah, I, I um, love this scene. Uh, I mean, I, I agree that I'm saying your beloved Starfire is a bit weird, but other than yeah. that, like, I, I loved him brutally killing Tim, who's kind of a fan favorite Robin, and then Jason gets a heroic thing because he wants to go back and try and save Damien, even though mm-hmm. like, Oliver's like, nah, it's kind of too late for him, he's, he's probably done. already gone. Yeah, yeah. Because, because Dick's already bit his neck. Uh, but then Jason gets bit by Wonder Woman, and he's going to get turned, even though he doesn't want to. Uh, Dick's like, no, sire him, because he's going to be useful. Uh, he even cracks a joke about how, oh, you've come back from the dead before, so this time will be better. Uh, He's such a prick. But then Jason uh, says, you know, do it, Oliver. And Oliver, like, stakes him from a distance, you know, fires an arrow uh-huh. and kills him. Uh, just to make sure he can't turn. So you get this big dramatic ending, and then it's like, okay, Dick's the leader of the vampires, and we get a montage, effectively, of, like, Superman burning the White House, Firestorm burning a forest... Uh, other heroes around reacting and the which I will say the art plummets for this page because it just changes yeah. completely to someone else and it's really sort of wacky and cartoony versus the rest mm-hmm. of the book um so yeah the last page looks terrible but it's like okay so Dick's the mastermind and now it's Oliver Alfred Babs um well Babs is with Suicide Squad but yeah Babs no, no, is still, I know. she's still team good I'm, I'm just thinking yeah. about who's actually with uh gotcha their group uh, they've got Cass, because Cass gets injured, but she's still alive, because uh, yeah. uh, Oliver's, Oliver's carrying her onto the submarine. Mm-hmm. So you've got Oliver Queen, Cassandra Kane, Alfred, and then possibly Babs will get back to them from uh, the, the two Suicide Squad members. Mm-hmm. But it's like, before you had this comfort of, like, oh, Batman's got the whole Bat family, they're going to be fine, because they're going to help each other. They're, they're a tight unit, nothing can stop them. <laughs> and then the heart and soul of the Bat family is the bad guy and kills yep. most of them in the same scene. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it can be understated that Dick Grayson in one scene killed Batman, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne, and Jason Todd. Well, Damian's not all the way dead, because remember, that's why Jason went back in. Well, he's going to become a vampire, though. Yeah, but but we also know that, that one shot that's coming from Rosenberg as well, uh, featuring yeah, Damian. Yeah. So... Which made him sound kind of like Blade, you know, to where he's not quite. He might be a Daywalker type. Sure, um, sure. Uh, so, uh, no, it's just, but you know, he t- he takes out or converts like all the yeah. Bat family in like one scene, pretty much. Barring Cassandra, and even she gets injured, and that's a big deal because yeah. Cassandra well, she, is the best fighter. Yeah, she breaks. He breaks her arm. You know, we ne- we never. I've never seen that. Yeah, you know, she's always on the the other end of that. She's doing the breaking. Because um, I, I saw you tweet that you didn't like some directions of this, and I yeah. uh, I was reading that waiting for, like, what's this direction he doesn't like? Yeah. And I loved the direction because yeah. they just took my favorite character and turned him into the villain, and he is yeah. now the best villain of all time because he just took out the entire Bat family. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it was nothing. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like his the, the monologuing of it. It was just, you know. And of course I want to know more. Like, how how did he get infected? You know? The, they're blocking out the sun with with fires and whatnot yet you know yeah the other super the other you know superman family people you see them on that last page you know uh, at least supergirl right 
Uh, they're... Super Kingdom Steel, but they've not been presented as vampires, though. I think they're pre- no, I know that, that's under the narration of like all the other heroes in this world are going to not going to see what's yeah, yeah. coming to them, kind of thing. Right. So it, it makes you wonder, like you know, that they need sunlight. So how is that going to impact them? Well, so does Superman, you know? technically. And this is my biggest thing with the, how they just throw in there that we turn Superman. You know, and, oh, I'm like, sure they're going to go into this. This is not a, yeah. a mistake. I, I just kind of want. Like, is this a biological vampire thing or is this, again, a magical? Because I, I need to know, just for me, how it works with the alien DNA stuff. You know, like, with Superman. Because if it's magic, it affects them all the same, right? But if this is a biological thing, you know, I just need to know how vampire cells are, you know. Because now he's just a, a regular vampire once they block out the sun. You know, so they only use him early, knock out the White House, and they're done with him. I'm what? sure the idea of him not being able to charge from the sun is going to be a- approached in some way. It would be weird yeah. for them not to touch on that. Yeah. So, so yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. see. Uh, I mean, I'm still going to finish it. I'm We're half through. So, I don't even know. need to say I'm still going to finish it. I still really like yeah. it. I don't need to caveat by yeah. saying, oh, I'm still going to see it oh, to yeah. the end. Oh, yeah. No, I do. Because I was, I was real big in the first, I'll say four. Um, That's maybe the yeah. best issue of this year. <laughs> I disagree. I still, I still think it started with the but bar, barring the issue. the fact that the art is all over the place because there's yeah. too many artists. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a legitimate problem. But yeah, uh, like honestly, Dick Grayson's heel turn here is the best scene of the oh, whole. Oh yeah, no, it's series. a great heel turn, and I hate that it made me feel things. You know, and I, 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 I love that it, it it kind of put you into a false sense of security because him being concerned about Babs makes you think. Because obviously, in hindsight, he's just wondering what's Babs up to. Is she going to like find out or ruin my cover? But and right. the moment you read it as he cares about Babs because that's how we well think of things. Yeah, and her being on the cover and like you look at this cover now, which is Nosferatu esque, and it's Babs, and we know who the King of the Vampires is. It immediately made me worry about Babs that maybe she won't make it back to them, and it's going right. to be this heartbreaking thing. Instead, they swerve me, and no. He's concerned because he doesn't want her discovering things, and now he and you just know that he's going to now try and convince her to turn because he probably still yeah. has feelings for her. So he's going to be like, right. "Join me in the everlasting vampire love, my yeah, dear." Yeah, and that's what was important about Hal saying that he's still in there. It's oh just yeah, different. for sure. Yeah, you know, is that this is still Dick Grayson, you know, um, and that's what's the the biggest tragedy. Yeah, and there was a debate at one point. Harley asked, "What happens to the headless vampires? Do, do, do the heads <laughs> grow back?" And I'm used to hit decapitation still killing a vampire. That still usually mm-hmm. works. So uh, I don't know if they're going to stick to that in this or if they're yeah. actually going to have growing back heads. <laughs> but we shall see. Uh, yeah, you got to remove the head, stake the heart, you know, make sure silver. Fire works too. Burn them. Yep. Silver doesn't work. I don't like silver working for vampires. Yeah. I mean, well, again, traditionally that was the, the weakness of most monsters. Like, it didn't become a werewolf thing until the movies in the 1930s. So silver was more traditionally yeah. uh, associated with vampires. Nah, wood for vampires, silver for werewolves. That's my preferred. Yeah. I mean, silver still works in American Vampire on most of them, right? But it's it's gold for the American variety. Well, American Vampire so. is more unique because like every breed of right. vampire is different. Right. So right. Uh, that's, that's interesting there. Um, so yes. Uh, you, also, you, you, I hope you, they... You give but, werewolf silver, you give vampires wood, which you can achieve either with a leg of a chair or you can give them a little rub and give them some wood. 
went a long way for that boner joke, my guy. <laughs> I um, wanted to make my boner joke, okay? <laughs> um, also, then, if what's their weakness, then uh, Swamp Thing, man, he's our greatest... Our greatest... Yeah, uh, Swamp Thing could just, like, gro- grow a branch through their chest, and that's yeah. it. Done. That's it. Solomon Grundy? Oof. Start serving these... Where's Frankenstein and all this, too? I want to see Frankenstein versus vampires. Um, I mean, they've been using wood in this series, right? It's the, when they're staking yeah. them, they've been using wood sticks. Oh, yeah, wood, holy water, every, every trope. The usual, that we yeah, know the usual tropes. For, um, for it, so... Um, but, yeah. I was going to say something else now, and now it, it, it lost in your boner joke. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Too busy thinking about erections, Matt. Yeah, especially point. Dick's erection. Like, come on. <laughs> Uh okay. What are you rating this issue? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's seven point five, mostly for that art. It is shambles, but uh, I'm gonna give this. Honestly, I'd be giving this an eight point five, but I'm gonna give it an eight because of the art. Like I say, I'm gonna go down a half point because the art being mismatched and all over the place uh, hurt it a bit. Uh, which is weird for a miniseries like this. You, you think yeah. they would just like, sort of delay the issues a little to. Keep the, the main artists. Is this out of 10 or 12? 12, I think. Maybe that's why they want to keep it going. One yeah. per month. Okay. So that, that might be why. So I could see that if it was 10, then we might have had a break. You know, like give give Schmidt a break and we have like an all Suicide Squad issue by, who is that, Demeo? Um, yeah, I, I mean, sure. I mean, Human Target just get a break, but I guess uh, the prestige of that is a bit higher yeah. than, than this sure. vampire story. Oh dear, the cover of this was, was telling us everything we needed to know. The the variant. I'll check it later when I'm looking for covers. Yep. Uh, Alright. Batman, One Dark Knight, Issue 2, by Jock, who did both the writing and the art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you went back and read Issue 1 then, I assume? Since you I did, I did. This? Yeah. yeah, so the first one, when this first came out, it was a time thing. I had a very busy week, and I just couldn't fit in a big, you know heavy page count book but then once i started reading it it is a it is a showcase for jock to do these big panels and whatever so it does read fairly quick so, yeah for, for its 50 page yeah. count it is a quicker read um i really like this show i love the premise i love what it set up uh i thought it was a really good time yep um obviously it's been like three months since the last issue i so- i forgot some things i forgot that the main villain's initials are actually emp um I, I, mean, I forgot some details, but credit to the, the the simple premise that I did remember. Villain went, you know, EMP and yes. took out the power. Batman has to transport him to to Blackgate, and all the gangs are on the streets, you know, wanting them for various reasons. Uh, I remembered all that. It was a little foggy on the the woman who's actually the sort of the villain, sort of pulling the strings, and the kids, the Brody. Uh, that stuff I didn't remember right away, but it came back to me quite quickly once uh, it, it, you know it was getting into it and talking about mm-hmm. it. So, uh, yeah, I will say I like this issue quite a bit as well. I I think this one versus the first issue, this one did feel like it was maybe spinning its wheels a little here or there. Uh, maybe one or two too many pages of Batman monologuing about the city uh, as we yeah. see the map, but it still had some big set piece moments. I still love the uh, the warriors s stuff of all the gangs coming yeah. for him. That's really good stuff. And and Batman looking at their weaknesses, you know, for what they do. So like EMP, 
EMPs gangs actually called the tasers and they yeah. carry tasers, uh, but there's no electricity, right? <laughs> Cause EMPs sucking all the energy from it. So they go to tase him and it doesn't work. And he just beats the ever living piss out of that guy. Uh, that was yeah. pretty funny, but it definitely, it's at its best when there's less dialogue, which I mean, shock for all his strengths as a, an artist, you know, sure. writing still has to be worked out. I think a little, I, mean, I, I think he's Batman narration's fine. I, I think it adds yeah. a nice atmosphere. Um, and I, I, you know, I enjoy when it sets up the other stuff. Like, uh, you know, this Vasquez woman leaves Montoya in yep. the car wreck to to be killed uh, or whatever the gang's going to do to her. I mean, let's yeah. not speculate too much. Uh, yeah. But obviously, all the art is fantastic. Like the pages of the city streets and the gangs forming and. Uh, it's all very muted blues and whites, so when there's like fire or blood, it really yeah. pops and it sticks pops. out. Even even Batman's cowl gets a bluish tinge to it, mm-hmm. um, which I like. And then like there's a, I remember there's a scene that happens at like it's like two fifty one a.m. and there's like this slightly blue haze over the city, mm. which is like if you've ever driven close to a big city at night, you just get that light pollution vibe, and just nails it dude, yeah. throughout this whole book. You know, so Batman's carrying this EMP guy who eventually does wake up, and he's actually quite apologetic. Of course, he he's like, you know, I, I don't want to like, you know, when I when I went boom on unintentionally, you know, I fried the brains of children and families, and mm-hmm. that was not something that he actually wanted to do. Right. Uh, but so there's this kid, and the kid was teased towards the end of last issue, this Brody kid, but it's actually EMP's son, although the kid doesn't know that he, his father's That's EMP. His... Yeah. Right. He thinks it's just this other guy's in the gang. Yeah, because the mom died, right? And so it seems like Vasquez has taken a a interest in this kid um, because she seems familiar with him more than he's familiar with her. Yeah, so. and it sounds like uh, Vasquez lost her family in the EMP yep. stuff, and that's why she's got such a vested interest in all this. She's orchestrated this, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... But she's after the kid, and the kid's, like, running around, and she eventually gets to him, and actually has a small EMP blast himself. So clearly he has similar powers. Yeah. Uh, maybe not on the same scale yet, but it's, she she wants to use him, clearly, to, to fight EMP. Yeah. And it's also super grotesque when they give out that EMP. Like, you see his eyes start glowing. Oh, yeah. And then the face, and it seems like a huge event. And, again, the strength of, of Jock is through the art and through the nonverbal storytelling. Oh yeah, like, see, uh, see, see the sequence in the middle where uh, Batman and EMP are attacked by a gang on one of the rooftops, mm-hmm. and there's like the, the he's having to hold on EMP over the side, but there's a guy trying to stab Batman, so mm-hmm. he has to kick him over. Kicks him over, and he's still holding on to EMP. Yeah, and they're on and like old train tracks silhouette. at this point, so like the yeah. the gang starts pushing this old like railway car towards yeah. Batman. It's just it's really visual, it's really big and uh, but really moody at the same time because of the setting. Yeah. So they never sort of betray that feeling to it, which is really, really cool. This, I feel like this story would make a great uh, animated movie. You know? Sure, yeah. One Dark Knight, and they could try to do Jock's style in the, in the you know, animation. Yeah, and there's, a, be real cool. there's a bunch of corrupt cops who are asking, uh, or answering to Vasquez, and mm-hmm. they are not intervening in the gangs and anything like that. They're keeping their nose out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, sure enough, um, like all this is bubbling up. Uh, the the kid actually almost gets attacked by one of the gangs, and Batman like throws a a batarang to, uh, yeah. just on his way past because he he's he's, tr- he's trying to get to the he's, location on time. You know he needs yeah. to get there. And you see the kid that's in trouble, and you know, does his thing. 
but we know it's him because of the red hoodie, which is a nice, you know, yeah. other nice storytelling. And that, that arm in the EMP goes off as well, uh, with the purple light yeah. coming, you know, through the, the rooftops. Yep. Really, really good stuff. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, we get to this point where she's got the kid. Uh, Batman sees this EMP go off, and he's like, "Shit, that's someone that's got powers like EMP." But I, I can't, yeah. I can't leave him and go and deal with this. Uh, the big thing here is that Batman mentions that he's running out of supplies, and Alfred's trying to communicate with them, but the communications are still down. But he finds the Batwing, the Batwing that he had in issue one, that he had it on autopilot, but it went down in the EMP blast. He's like, "Oh shit, great! There's supplies in there that I can, you know, re- refill my belt <laughs> on my journey." Uh, but it turns out it's a trap. Uh, a bunch of gangs have already like are lying in wait and come after him. So we get like barrels of fire being thrown at him. Uh, the guy, the gang grabs EMP and pulls him into the sewers. Mm. Uh, so it's like, and you can feel Batman's desperation. Like he was, he, he was, he was like two thirds of the way there, but he's about to lose EMP. He really wanted to you know, keep a hold of him. So you kind of feel this like, oh, he's fallen through his grasp kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's this really sad, there's this really dark part where one of the gangs is up on the rooftops and they see the other gang down in the street and like, shit, they're sitting ducks. Let's throw some Molotovs. Mm-hmm. What the hell is... Up. What the hell is that? That was like a... It's garbage day! Uh, <laughs> so, oh, yeah, man. Like say, it, say it properly. It's no. garbage day! Yeah. That, that's how that I did Night 2, right? It is indeed, yes. Yes. I'm gonna have to, yeah. I've never seen that one, so... Yeah. Oh, it's worth watching. I, I yeah. recommend the Silent I've, I've seen that two. meme numerous times but the movie not so much there's some other comedy gold in it as well i mean yes it's a little bit frustrating because half of it's just the first movie in flashbacks <laughs> but yeah but the other half that's new is still really worth watching yeah but anyway so so that this gang throws down molotovs into the uh the other gang and then they, they, they shoot at them and it's really dark batman has to like jump down the manhole to go after emp as these guys mm-hmm. are burning alive there's like, not yeah. much you can do for them it's a really dark page yep uh yeah so uh, honestly if i have a critique other than the fact that there's maybe just a little bit of wheel spinning to maybe like add you know five or six pages is that the cliffhanger is a bit weird where batman goes into the the sewers and goes it's dark down here and he smiles and he's like i like it like that last line felt a bit off to me (laughs) i thought it landed just because it's this is him in his element right that it's dark and after everything he just went through in this issue, he's like, oh, okay, finally, something comfortable. Um, yeah, no, it makes sense. If anything, I, I, like, I don't know, maybe just the line of dialogue, the, the narration would, would have just worked better if it was something a little less, I don't know, mm-hmm. abrupt. But um, I, like, I, I enjoyed this show a lot. I, I think it really is that one night through the city kind of action mm-hmm. movie that the, the first issue promised me, and I'm really digging it so far. Yeah. And it, Makes sense that the end of issue two, the end of you know act two of three, is mm-hmm. like the moment where oh he's going to lose the guy because he's he's had him on him the whole time. So it right. makes sense that this is the part of the story where he's going to lose him and have to try and get him back. And so he's, and he's only like a mile away from Blackgate. Yeah, right? he's so like close. He's, he's covered all this ground. He's almost there, and then ah oh, shoot down the down into the sewers we go. Uh, but yeah, I also like the fact that um. He, Bruce can't do a lot of thinking because EMP keeps shorting out his brain because of the synapses. Yeah. So I, I like that little wrinkle too, that this is the reason he keeps getting into these messes is like, he's almost running on his primal brain. So 
I like that as well. Um, yeah, skill touch. Uh, mm -hmm. No, really, really good. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, mm -hmm. Connor. Yeah, was... I'm glad I, I went back, and I'm glad this was on a on a smaller week. Yeah. Because once I started looking at everything, and I was like, oh yeah, uh, you know, and I'd already caught up on One Dark Night like a couple weeks ago, um, and I was like, oh yeah, this this is out this week too. Yeah. So yeah, because Connor was was a lot more down on issue one, and I really liked oh, issue God. one. Shock. <laughs> Uh, so I'm glad you're uh, more into it because uh, yeah. But I also I also have a, a deep like like the Warriors. I love that movie I, for, for all its flaws and the fact that we're getting kind of a Warriors esque vibe through Gotham. I I really like you know, that. I like the I, I like the concept of the Warriors. I don't think mm -hmm. I like the movie that much though when I saw it. Oh no, the movie's not the movie's not good. If uh, I feel like had I not seen it when I was like 11, like I wouldn't have the as you know I didn't pick up on a lot of the bad stuff. Um, watching it again as an adult, it, you know, outside a few moments, but it is something that I do. Like you said, the concept I do like, you know, um, but if it's on TV, you know, very rarely I'll turn it on. Sure. But the fact that we're getting that concept kind of through Gotham city. And I mean, the map of Gotham is just basically New York. And you start yeah. looking at, at the descriptions. You know, it's really cool. And I also really like that we set up the idea that the villain, or the EMP, I should say, is sympathetic yeah. and regrets what he's he's done. Yeah. Uh, but then we have the villain who's hunting him, who's, like, putting other people in harm's way to get to him, who has justifiable motivations, perhaps, but is being far more villainous by how she's doing things. Like, I, I like that dramatic, like, contrast between them. So we actually sympathize with the, the villain who is redemptive mm -hmm. and wants to change right. and doesn't want to hurt people, so... I, I like that 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 uh, character mm -hmm. sort of difference between them. So yeah, all right. What are you giving Batman One Dark Knight issue two? Um, I'm gonna give this one an eight. Cool. I'm also gonna go with a straight eight. Uh, mm -hmm. I think if it just if, if it fixed those little problems that I had with it, yeah, uh, I think it would have been higher. But mm -hmm. uh, obviously the yeah. art is when beautiful. when the art goes, it it goes real hard. Like yeah. it's like those action sequences. That one with the silhouette where he's hanging over, holding onto him. And then they start to push the train. Again, I want to see that in animation form. Yeah. Like, that's, it, it really pops. It, and it feels like there's motion. Like, Jock's really good at that. Where it feels like there's motion, even though it's just between panels. So. Yeah, phenomenal stuff. So, mm -hmm. all right, Alte's part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite uh, art, favorite cover, and, of course, uh, rank, well, in this case, top four books of the week. Yes. So, yes. Uh, we'll start with panel slash moment, then, Matt, what you got? Uh, it, it's the assassination of Ra's al Ghul. Uh, the bang and the red. I legit let out a holy shit while I was at work. Um, so, so yeah. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, that one's really good. Obviously, the, the Nightwing moment in Vampires is a, is a big standout. Uh, I really like several moments in One Dark Night. O honestly, I'm not really... I'm spoiled for choice, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, like a Swamp Thing as well. Like, geez. Swamp Thing, yeah. There's, there's a panel in Swamp Thing with um, her and the flowers with Tafei. Yeah. In her face. That I just, you know, uh, really, really nice too. That that was a close second to, to Roz. Like, I, I'm actually also going to go from Shadow War, even though I think there's good choices from all mm -hmm. of them. I, I'm going to go just a little bit later, though, and I'm going to go, uh, if I was there, I had to save Alfred. I'm going to go with that. Oof. That moment. Because that hit. Loved, I felt that. You love to torture yourself. I felt that in my gut. So that's why I'm picking that one. Uh, so there you go. Uh, cover of the week. What do you have? Uh, the Frankavilla Swamp thing 
variant. Um, it looks like a movie poster. Uh, I just, I love it. Sure, I'm just having a click on that to see what it's like myself. Mm -hmm. uh, that is very pretty. Um, I also like the Bogdanovich variant for Shadow War. Uh, but I am probably going to go, and the One Dark Knight cover is quite nice as well, obviously. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Matina DC versus Vampires cover because it's just as wonderful Nightwing as a as like a vampire bat painting. Yeah, it's glorious. Uh, Morbius wishes it was that cover. Ah, <laughs> uh, Morbius. Bat radar. I still can't get over that. I tried to talk my wife into going last night. She was having none of it. Well, so you'd be proud of her. Despite all the evidence to the contrary, meaning marrying yeah. you, uh, she's yeah. a smart woman. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, all right. So that's cover. Uh, best art of the week, Matt, we got? Um, I'm going to go with Swamp Thing. Mike Perkins, just... And I don't mm. know if there's a new colorist, but the opening scenes of Jennifer and Tafei felt different. Um, and then especially when you get to the the Pilgrim and Prescott stuff, it's almost more clean. Um, and less moody, and just the way that he shifts between those, it works. Do you so know, well. I, I, I would be very tempted to pick it. I think the art and Swamp Thing's great, and it's only gotten better as time has went on as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I am going to give it to Jock, though, for One Dark Night. Uh, just a smidge. Uh, but Bogdanovich was really good, too. Honestly, I think DC versus Vampires is the only one that's kind of, I don't want to say the word dud. That's a bit harsh, but. No, it's not a dud, but it could have been better. It's just. Too many cooks. That's that's all it really yes. comes down to. Uh, yes. But the other, all the other three books I read though, all had really good art. To, to if not all great art, to be honest. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I'll, I'll go with Jock one dark night. All right, rank your four books, Matt. All right, number one, Swamp Thing. Number two, Shadow War. Number three, One Dark Night. Number four, Vampires. Yeah, number one for me. They're is all very close. Yeah, number one, Swamp Thing. Number two, Shadow War. Number three. Vampires number four, One Dark Knight. Oh, Vampires and One Dark Knight are really close. That's kind of hard to okay. be honest. I thought you were gonna just eat mine and go. What, no. what happened? Uh, yeah. So just to be different, I'll I'll put it that way around, I suppose. There but you go. It's it's yeah. Honestly, it's like Swamp Thing's my number one, Shadow Wars my number two, and then three and four are basically tied. But there it is. Uh, for different reasons, though, as close as it's probably clear from the what we talked about in that mm -hmm. one. Uh, but yeah, all right. So I will now tell you what's coming out next week from DC Comics. So coming out next week, we have Batman One Twenty Two. We got Batman Killing Time Issue Two, Suicide Squad Issue Fourteen, Batman Beyond Neo Year Issue One, Wonder Woman Historia The Amazons Issue Two, Monkey Prince Issue Three, One Star Squadron Issue Five, World of Krypton Issue Five, Earth Prime Issue One, Batwoman, and Flashpoint Batman Night Avengers Issue One. They're reprinting that. Okay. I'm seeing it's got to be more than just that because it's a seven dollar book. Maybe it's all three issues as, as well as the yeah, one shot. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Yep, it is all in one reprint of the 2011 three issue series in a periodical format. Which I don't know what that means. Is that just without ads? Um, times at least a flashpoint zero. Um, yeah. Oh, that means. Maybe it just means a sequential. It's just like you just go straight into the next issue. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's what's coming out next week. And what's really weird for us as a show is that there's only two books that we're all doing uh, next week. 
And uh, maybe three total, because Matt, you might still be reading Monkey Prince. Oh yeah, I'm still reading Monkey Prince. There we go, so we'll have three books total. So it's going to be a weird week next week. But it is actually episode 300, which means it gives us time to do some special one-off stuff. So like I said at the start, the voting form is out. It'll be on the description, and it's on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. Uh, so please do fill it out, and uh, we'll have some results and uh, whatnot. And I'm, I'm sure we'll have a discussion and pick our favourites of the last six years as well mm-hmm. to go along with it. Um, I also have something else planned. No one tell Connor, but there will be a quiz. No one tell Connor. I know nothing. I'm about to speak <laughs> the floor like I did again. Uh, so that's uh, that's episode 300 coming next week. Obviously, a big celebration. Uh, you know, almost six full years of doing the podcast, and uh, hopefully, if nothing else, it shows that we are committed and that. Uh, some things will never die and this podcast is potentially one of them so hopefully you have fun uh, with the dead uh, may never die episode 300 celebration next week uh so looking forward to that um but yeah i will take this time to thank our patreon producers for the month so thank you to tyler hess cindy palacios david sharp Bordeno, christopher moy david brown al treisman and allison m fordays uh there are Patreon producers at one of the higher tiers, but of course you can support us for as little as $1 per month over at patreon.com slash TV and help support all the content in the show, as well as all the other podcasts that we do as part of MailFuzz Movies and MailFuzz TV. And of course, at the $5 tier, you get early access to the show. You get it whenever it's ready on the Saturday night. You don't have to wait till the Sunday. Uh, it's quite late at night though in certain time zones, so maybe it's more of a Sunday morning thing. But either way, you get it before uh, the public release. So if that's of interest to you, go and check it out. Uh, over at patreon.com slash TV. Of course, you can like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications on YouTube, or you can rate the podcast five stars and re- with a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. All of that does help us out a lot. But yeah, this is it for episode 299. So next time we see you, it will be the 300 Super Spectacular Extravaganza. And... I told Connor that if he loves our audience, he'll do next episode an address. So if he's not an address next episode, it's because he's a miserable prick who hates you all. Uh, we gotta get to Paige. <laughs> I'm sure she can lend him one. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I'm sure she can, you know, talk him into it. This has been Couch the Multiverse. Thank you very much for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. <laughs>